Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Ray. I'm Alizarie. Hi guys and welcome back to another episode of Mostly Lit. It's your boy Alex Reeds. It's your girl Raifa Rafiq. And we're back to bring you another week of book talk, pop culture talk and just general litness. Mess. Litness. Oh, I I said, I thought mess. Okay, let's do that. I was really here for the mess. Let's do that. I was like, oh, you want to bring the mess? I, I, I really support that. I'm not messy. I, I'm a, uh... You know when you are recovering mess. Okay, so you know when, as yeah. in I was messy, and messy is fun. But I'm I've recovered. My girls call me a healed hoe. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> mm, your girls are funny. Um, That's hilarious. A healed, right, a healed hoe. Ho. Hashtag healed hoe. Obviously not hoe, but just healed. <laughs> <laughs> Because bitch, we go into therapy. Yeah, know? this is what we're doing. That's um, what we're doing. But yeah, thank you guys so much for listening and continuing to support us. Mm-hmm. And we love you guys. Yeah. Let's get into the show. Let's, let's do it. All right. So, okay. We're going to... Oh, God. Alex. Oh, my God. Okay, guys. This is going to be the funniest thing ever because I'm so nervous. Okay. So, first of all... Let I'm me, actually let, nervous. Let, let me do this. All right. All right. Go so ahead. So, we're going to take it back to 2016. No. Explain to them I know, why we've come here. This is oh, what we're doing. Okay. <laughs> Taking it back to 2016. 2016. When, when Mostly Lit was Born. at the beginning... Of its... Of its... Um, journey. Journey. <laughs> and, um, yeah... We we found out that Ray didn't know a lot of like old school tunes. So, and then that kind of extended into TV and films. General, general pop culture. <laughs> Various general pop culture stuff. At the time. So. But I was sheltered, you know. So basically, guys, if you guys don't you need know. need to explain. No, no, I feel like I have to as a justification. Um, your girl hails all the way from a tiny island in the Indian Ocean called Zanzibar. Mm-hmm just off the coast of mainland Tanzania. And I was born there, grew up there until I was like five years old. And yeah. I came to London in like, <laughs> sorry. See what happens when the spirit just says, you're lying. Yeah, no, honestly, no, no, no. Anyway, so yeah. And I am, 
when I first came, like I was five years old, like, and I was very like sheltered, but also I didn't know any English. So things that were happening around me just didn't register because I was quite like, you know, taken care of. And okay. I, I watched things like Fox Kids and Small Small Nickelodeon. Yeah. But I was just adjusting to a new world and learning a new language. And that meant that a lot of things that, you know, people around my age kind of knew about from their parents. And also you have to understand yeah. the people that I lived with oh, were not, you know, British or knew much about you know, this type of culture. And mm-hmm. so that's not how I was raised. And therefore you can say that I'm a little behind, but I don't like to think of it that way because I've discussed this with my therapist because this, really, <laughs> this is a really sore spot, you know? And she told me to look at it that I'm not just part, you know, part British, part Zanzibari. I'm full, I'm full in all of You're these You're full different, Ray. I'm full Ray. Right. Anyway. Made up of fullness of okay, other Okay, now you said your defense. Thank great. you. That's my defense, okay, that's guys. It, that's it. Anyway, so right, take it back to- Take it back to 2016 when we started. Because <laughs> let me just go back to where I started. Okay, I don't know about this okay. one. So 2016, when we started mostly it, we just we started to do a thing called re-educating Ray. Or the miseducation, miseducation of, Ray. of Ray. Now we're back. It's 2019. We've we've been through loads <laughs> between 2016. I, I've been learning. And you now, know. I've learned and quite a bit. Yeah, Ray's learned quite a bit. She has surprised me with a few things. I've been like, oh, Thank swear you. down. Thank it's a bit you. late, but it's good. It's, never, <laughs> it's always on time. It's never late. So it's what we do. <laughs> I appreciate it. Uh, yeah. So, but what we're going to do is at the beginning of each show, we're going to, I'm going to throw in a few questions to Ray. Right. General pop culture questions from the era that I've she so that. loves and has... No. Slightly misjointed connections. So we're going to call it the re-education of Miss Raifa Raifi. Yeah, guys, I thought Aaliyah died when I was born, but apparently that's not true. She died a clear <laughs> seven years later. I'm sorry. I was like, I'm, oh. This just justified the reason for the for the segment. Okay. So, yeah. so okay, so we're going to start. Oh, I'm so nervous. Okay. All right. Welcome, guys, to the re-education of Miss Raifa Rafiq. Okay. Are you ready? I'm ready. Hit me. Dun, dun, dun. Hit me. Okay. <laughs> In Sister Sister. Oh my God, yeah. Starring Tia and Tamara Maori. Mm-hmm. Who were they always telling to go home? Go home, Roger. Hey. Uh, extra points for the actor. Marcus Houston. Okay. Because he was in... Um, what's my one of my favorite films? Not Stomp the Yard. Oh fuck! I know this film. It's my favorite film. I watched it in year eight with Miss Kinch and her film club. Good luck with the remembering. No, Omari and Jay Boo. We, all my babies were there. Oh, I, I know what you're talking about. And it started off with Fat Man School. Drop the clan. Timberland. Timberland. Fat Man School. Drop the. Wherever I say, y'all go to. Wherever I say, y'all gonna do go so, to. Hey, Lord, guess who's coming? Timberland, <laughs> AKA. Ricky Phil Drummond. You get it right, like you, Timberland. I promise you know the film. I know the film. <laughs> but I just randomly forgot the name because. Okay, all right. When you remember the name. Okay, now when I remember, I'll, I'll let okay. you guys know. Okay. <laughs> this is so terrible. All right, next so that, question. That's two points. Well done. Oh, okay. Oh, that was good. Yeah, you only get three questions, so it's fine. Oh, okay. So it's, it's, right. not, it's not like a whole list of like 15. <laughs> okay. Which artist known as the queen of heartbreak and knee high boots sang no more drama? Knee high boots. I'm thinking, is it Mary J? Oh, well done. Okay. Hey. Okay. Is, is that what she's known as? The queen of heartbreak? <laughs> I call her the queen of heartbreak. Oh. 
home all pain everything everything I don't, I don't know that song. everything about love so okay. and, and the heartbreaks that come with it okay it's also bit, this one might be a bit harder okay oh no okay Finally, mm-hmm. what did Ma- not Mary? What did Whitney Houston tell her trifling man to do after "It's not right, but it's okay"? It's not right, but it's okay. I'm gonna something anyway. <laughs> Fuck. Wait, it's not right, but it's okay. I'm gonna love you. No, leave you. I'm gonna. Uh, oh my god, Rafa, no. come on! Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> it's not right, but it's okay. I'm gonna leave you. No. Oh my god, what is it? She says, it's not right, but, but it's, it's okay. okay. I'm gonna make it anyway. Oh. She tells him to pack his bags up and leave. Oh, pack your bags up, up and, and leave. leave. Yeah. What, what, what comes after that? Oh, you don't know? Okay, cool. Um. Oh, okay. These I'd rather, were, I, I'd rather I be alone that. than unhappy. Oh, is the, that is true, girls. Yeah. You know, sometimes so, you got to be alone to figure out who the so, hell you are rather than be unhappy with a trifling, <laughs> trifling nigga. <laughs> um, it's true. Well, I feel like these were quite easy. They were quite easy. But I still flopped on yeah. the last one. So you flopped on the last one. But you Only did because well. lyrics. You, you know? did well. Yeah. You did well. So we're going to be... The Mary J one, I'm so glad I knew because yeah. it's, it, you know, I think all the Twitter memes and, and the, <laughs> the hateration and the knee high I tried to give as much clues without it being too... Yeah. So yeah. Hey, all right, two out of three. Two out of three. Is, two out of three. Yeah, okay. Cool. Yeah, I feel like ready gonna... for us fully re-educated. Uh, not yet. No, not yet. Because <laughs> there's hella questions coming. So each week, I feel like you you will enjoy this more than me. <laughs> Loki for my entertainment. Um, but yeah, so we're gonna be put, putting that at the top. So if anybody has any questions that they want, DM me. To ask Ray. DM me personally. <laughs> At Alex Reads Yeah, don't DM underscore. me because DM. I will Google before asking. You know, <laughs> exactly. So yeah. So yeah, don't do that. But anyway, so that's re-educating Miss Ray for repeat. So who's lit this week, Ray? Oh, sorry. I'm trying to still figure out the the film. Oh my god. <laughs> I'll um, tell you at the end. No, don't because I have to do it. Okay. Oh, man, okay, sure. So who's lit is where we, who's lit is where we just, well, we shout out somebody who's doing something amazing within within creative industry, within the publishing industry, or just general General. blackness. Um, So who's lit this week? So this week we have the two amazing co-founders of Onway Press, that is Mariam, Jimmo, and Rennie Amayo. Um, And they have, uh, they're the co-founders of this uh, new publishing, new indie publishing press company called Onway press and um, essentially they will be concentrating on the consistent and focused celebration and promotion of diverse voices most particularly uh, that of black women writing in sci-fi and fantasy genre. Um, I think the first book that they have out actually is um, a book by Rennie called Daughters of Nri I believe um, yeah so it's 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 um, told as the return of the earth mother series so i think that they might be more than just one and the first one is called daughters of Venri by rennie k amayo mm-hmm. and i know that she previously had a um a sort of you know cover launch that I was you know gladly invited to but i had to go to a good friend's wedding and so i missed it unfortunately but um it looked really lovely and they got great coverage of it 
So, yeah, those are the two phenomenal women and On Web Press is our Who's Lit for today. Um, one of the co-founders, um, Mariam, said that, and she spoke to the bookseller where she said that, you know, as black women, diversity is incredibly important to to them and they felt that publish, the publishing world could be doing a better job at, mark, at making um, this a reality and she said that we often find that diverse voices and even characters are missing from publishers and this just kind of takes it all the way back to last week's episode with um, the phenomenal uh, Tommy Adeyemi and when she talked about how the <coughs> fact that we essentially are erasing ourselves out of our own imaginations because we don't see ourselves represented and we are not representing ourselves um, which is catastrophic but yeah so Congratulations to Onway Press, founded by Mariam um, Jumo and Renny Amayo. We look forward to reading um, the book and um, many more titles that come out of that press um, dope. publishing company. Dope, dope stuff. Yeah. I was so excited when I saw that. Yeah. Like it was in the books and I was like, yes, <laughs> was more like, black women. I was like, she's done it again. <laughs> yeah, she's doing sick. Right. Um, but yeah, so that is who is lit for this week on WordPress. Congratulations. Amazing, amazing, amazing. We look forward to seeing more from you guys. Amazing. So, okay. Oh, so, also, I'll go for it. who's lit is Alex Reed. Me? What? Yeah. What did I do? Because Alex Reed <laughs> is editing a book. Oh, shit. Oh, yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Alex Reed is editing Don't do a this. book. Right, Alex, tell them about it. All right. So, I'm editing a book. <laughs> this is so weird because everyone's always like, why did you tell me that you did? I'm like, I just didn't I just I just literally I'm just out here doing it was embargoed all right okay, okay cool. yeah, yeah, whatever yes. so now you want to follow the law <laughs> <laughs> so um I'm working with Knight of publishing our favorite people. yeah our favorite people so I'm out there with them and they are I'm editing the book shaping up culture which is going to be written um, by Mark McIver, also known as Slider Cuts. Mm-hmm. And yeah, looking forward to seeing what comes of that. I've never edited a book before. This is like editing, editing, like reading it through, proofreading. Editing, editing. It's <laughs> editing, editing. And um, so I'm like, I'm excited. It's a new thing. It's a completely different. Yeah. You can um, add like a new, um, you know, little circles to your, yeah, to my name, to your name, you editor. know, editor. <laughs> and nobody knows what that means, but editor. <laughs> no, but it's amazing. Like, yeah. you know, um, so Mark, yeah, Mark's getting on with that and it's really cool. Amazing. And is it that it's kind of, is there a particular audience? Cause I know that Knights of obviously do children's books. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like we are really, I think that it's, it's a kind of a self-help, but motivational kind of piece of writing mm. for like young people but it's it can go across any age to yeah. be honest he's got a lot of experience yeah. and a lot that he wants to say and um, I'm looking forward to it nice. so later on this year you know when that happens it happens Alex and the mandem yeah just all up on all up on mostly all up on mostly lit so I look forward to it and reading it looking and coming to, to all it, the launches shout out, yeah. shout out you know to I Amy love and David book, though like launches and you just have all of these little press events yeah it's so nice yeah but shout out to Amy and David with Nights Of man. yeah I'm just yeah I'm just completely stunned and they time. have a then you um, I thought I'm just going to be standing but they have a, the book the, there, book, um, the bookshop's coming yeah, in May. May oh my god I'm so excited and yeah, I was like Amy we need a party it's going to be in Brixton yeah I cannot wait um, it's just 
yeah, it's just amazing stuff that I'm seeing right now. And uh, yeah, like I just shout out to them. Shout out I to feel like there's involved. a glimmer of hope, like all the things that we want to see happening in the publishing industry and generally just like the creative industry and not just like the small sort of, you know, coven of blackness just generally all around like obviously um the phenomenal candice is on the sunday times best-selling list and that's what i like to see it's like these books aren't just going around us mm-hmm. and we're not the ones like just talking about it to ourselves but the population the general population is aware it's not that moving. we seek validation from it because we know we're lit yeah just moving. it's just like we need bigger platforms just and hopefully moving around yeah moving that's around. what we're, we're going even to with get. like even with clarissa and down moving from bonnie to acast yeah doing her just doing whatever she's doing yeah moving <laughs> i think that everybody you know need to shout out people a lot more yeah shout out to clarissa shout out to candice shout out to shout out to you Right. Shout out to everybody. What have I done? Shout out. <laughs> Everybody's lit. Everybody's lit this week. Everybody lit. Hey. We'll be getting to the money. <laughs> doom, Shout out to Jose. I just thought I should say that. <laughs> All right, let's go um, over the show. Yeah, let's continue. Mostly lit this week. It's broken up into two pieces, but we're going to be talking about our spring reads mm-hmm. and then a we're going to open up the discussion a bit later on. Also, just so you know, we will be speaking about Game of Thrones later on in the show. And we're going to be so, talking about the first episode and the second episode. Yeah. If you haven't watched it, stop. Get to it. Go watch Pause it. it. Just so you know that that's, that's coming. Yeah. And we're not even going to talk about it lightly. We're going we're gonna to talk we're about it. We're going in, in, in. Okay. Like we're we going to talk about it. We're going to go under the armpit of the Night King. <laughs> the we're going to smell all his juices. We go, we going that low. <laughs> we going that in. All up under him when it's cold. We're the top. <laughs> All up under him when it's cold. We're the top. Dinner time. time. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, mostly lit. So All this right. week we're doing our spring reads. This yeah, week. guys. So normally whenever, you know, the change in seasons happens, I don't know, last week you guys felt that beautiful Easter, long Easter weekend where it was hot. Nobody, Everybody was misbehaving. I was misbehaving. Wow. Everybody was just moving a little bit mad. <laughs> and it was a good mad. Me yep. and Alex, we had a lovely brunch with our good friends. Yep. It was and, great. you know, my head started hurting before I ever went to bed. <laughs> but um, let's just say that, yeah, when the times change and the tides change. That's what we're going to be looking at we're to gonna read. We're going to look at the seasonal reads and what you guys have to look forward to in the coming months. Yeah. First of all. Okay. How You know, the winter reads. Yeah. How far have you gotten in your winter reads? All right. So I'm <laughs> listening. I'm still listening mm. to Becoming. Okay. But you know, that, that book is hella long to listen to. Beautiful, but it's actually quite long. Mm. Uh, what else did I say I wanted to... Oh, so I'm also reading. Uh, we haven't really touched on what we're reading, but I'm one of the things that I wanted to read in my winter reads was um, Black Leopard, Red Wolf. Okay. Alex always calls it Red Lion. I'm like, babes. <laughs> Red Lion, Black Leopard. I yeah, I'm just like, no, stop it. Anyway, yeah, I by just... Marlon James. And we've spoken about it recently. And I think this is a book that we're going to be doing possibly at the end of next month. So yeah, get I've, to reading it. I've seen it. some of you tweeting saying we've already done it. And I'm, I'm like, like, no, we haven't. We just talked about it. We have not done this. <laughs> like, I don't yeah. know. So I'm in the middle of reading that. Okay. And... Um, I'm actually also reading uh, Notes on a Nervous Planet by Matt Haig. 
I we'll, love Matt. We'll be doing that very soon. As well. Yeah, we're going to do that. Um, and yeah, so I've actually gotten, oh, there's that um, Orchestra of Minorities book by Shigozi Obioma, which I have. I bought it. I haven't started yet, but mm. that's also a book that we are definitely going to do on the show okay. um, in the next month. So make sure that you're reading it so that, you know, when the time comes, you can really get into the discussion. Yeah. That's right. So Spring Reads. Alex, what do you have for me? What do you want to look forward to? Like, what do you? What are you looking forward to? What should the people be looking forward to, to reading in the next few months, Where weeks? I start? So yeah, so this week, or last week now, that you would have seen, the 392 had its book launch on Thursday the 25th of April. Um, so this is the debut book by Ashley Hickson Lovins. And oh, is this the book on the bus? Yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Set entirely on a London bus, traveling from Hoxton to Highbury. To me, yeah. I know, <laughs> and taking place just over thirty-six minutes. Like the event, yeah. the events of the three nine two unfold through a cast of charismatic characters coming from very different worlds, but tied together through a shared suspicion as the threat of terrorism looms. Looms, and that's published by Own It London. Yeah, no, shout out um, to Crystal. Shout out to Crystal. Who but yeah, so phenomenal. I'm looking forward to reading that book yeah. because, it, like, it's not too long. It's got a very provocative, like it's got a very interesting cover. It's just I haven't seen bus. it yeah. And it's one of those I'm things. Just, like held it. So I yeah, it's one of those. Yeah, yeah. It's really. It's like it's cool. Like yeah. it's one of those books that um, that should really identify with the London experience in in a way. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's just because it's red. Like you look at it like all right, it's red now. Like I remember I was watching the um, Own It's um, Instagram live, and yeah. I was like, I just can't be there. Yeah. Like, but let me go. And they were talking to people about their experiences on buses mm. like as just like a lot of black people like about what what their funniest experience with them on the bus and stuff and when you you don't realize how much of your life is spent on, the, on buses on as a london as a per, somebody who grew up in london yeah and or grows grows up in london or has lived in london but growing up in london between the years of say 2000 and i don't know 2000 and 2010 pretty much your whole school life you were going on a bus. You were on a bus and and bare stuff has happened. I remember when there was the terrorism attack in 2005. 2005? I think it was 2005. I think it was around that time. I remember it being in my art class and my friend got a message from his mum saying, don't go on the London buses. I don't know if it was 2005. It was one of those times. Yeah. And, you know, everybody was like, oh my God, we we all have to just walk home because we we weren't really, you know what I mean? But it's it's a deep kind of connection that we have with the buses something I, you know what I mean yeah. you, you see a bus number and you're like oh Ooh, that, that takes, takes me place. back it takes you back to one yeah. place you know what I mean and I remember so I used to take the W11 to school and um, I went to a school called McKenty which got sent to an academy because it was that bad um, and um, we would meet at Walthamstow Central and there was like a few like maybe like six black girls would always get like we'd all get to on the bus together and we would we would take the metro and we would read it, would go straight to the horoscope section. And then there'd be the comic section that we would read, which is quite close to the horoscope section. Oh my gosh, we all did this. Uh, I, I thought I was so unique, but yeah. yeah. And the thing is, I would read the whole paper though. Like, so I was really well, like, well, like I was well aware of oh, shit yeah, because yeah. I would read the whole Metro, would get to the horoscope section. That's when I would stop and then read the little cartoon comics and be like, oh, what's funny today? I would get up the back of the bus and we just... And it would always go at the back of the bus. My yeah. spot was like not you got, you straight to the back. back. Of the bus. Yeah, not straight to the back, but the one right in front. Mm. Candice and 
um, my friend Cache would sit somewhere else and there were other girls that would sit elsewhere and we would all have the back of the bus okay. at 8, 8.05. That's when our bus yeah. would come. See, and that's it. And you don't realise it. I remember and it's, getting, it's, yeah. it's tradition. It's, yeah. You do this for years, yeah. every day. Yeah, like honestly, like I remember... <laughs> So between year seven and eight, like on the way to school, we sat at the front oh, of the bus. Like, why? I don't know. Like, kind just, of an uncool kid. I don't know. Of course I wasn't cool, really. Sorry, but you have, to, <laughs> you have to sit at the back. No, as I'm saying, between seven and eight, it was very much like, oh, I'll just run upstairs. And Maybe sit. like the year 10s and the year 11s was, would sit at the back. No, no, it wasn't yeah. that. Because when we got on the bus, like it was like, it was at the terminus. So we got on at the beginning of the bus route. Oh. So we just used to run to the front. Like we did that like, when we were younger, we were like 11 12 we used to be like the front. and then there was just this like this adolescent shift that happened and it's like you slowly find your way just through the middle of the back of the bus at the back cool yeah there are people like things happened on the bus my Mate, friend my friend fights, like, my friend flirting fights flirting normal like my friend citizens got will tell us to shut up yeah we were too loud well I'd be told to, to be quiet I mean nothing's changed I know. It? it's but like but shh, right. shh, be quiet and there's obviously one day I remember the, reading like right reading out to the girls my diary post because I was really emotional mm. and I read it out to them and there was this random stranger guy who turned around to me just before he left he goes it gets better and I just <laughs> I still remember this does it right now like I still yeah. remember it. I was like in year 10 yeah. and this random guy just talks head turns around and say it gets better <laughs> as if to say you're young like get over yourself but um, yeah, yeah man th- this book is really interesting I look forward to reading I'm actually going to read it this is a thing like normally I, I mention books that I actually don't read this is a thing like I'm going to read, definitely read it Three, and it's re- 392 392 it's just amazing 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 yeah. so much happened on these buses but yeah. anyway Crystal said that uh, just to, to read what Crystal has said about Ashley Ashley is a rare and exciting voice uh, with a depth skill for observation and natural flair with words and the ability to create authentic worlds and characters as well as an exciting new literary fiction also actually offers an important contribution to the literary landscape and is the kind of unique talent that will delight readers and that the industry is so keen to find we're hugely excited that Ashley joins our growing list of debut authors and to be publishing the 392 fantastic phenomenal so yeah guys go grab it go grab a copy of yeah. um, Ashley's book, yeah. Uh, hopefully we'll be speaking in, speaking to him soon. Phenomenal. What do you have next? Okay, so I'm really excited about this book because mm. um, it's by a woman who I think is like super, super, super smart. <laughs> um, and let me just get it up. So it's called Don't Touch My Hair by the amazing, beautiful, phenomenal, intelligent Emma Dabiri. And it's a book that essentially talks about, like, Emma in this book takes on, um, takes from pre-colonial Africa through, you know, the Harlem Renaissance and, you know, even like Black Power and and today's world in the idea of just the natural hair movement. And in this book called Don't Touch My Hair, it's it's rather academic, mm-hmm. um, an academic perspective of the idea of black woman's hair and the politics around it, uh, the fun around it, the history around it, because our hair is rather political for those who have it naturally, for those who, you know, wear weaves and wigs and for those who, you know, put the, the crack on and, you know, 
you know, relax it to mm, those who have mm. protective styles. Because, you know, when Beyonce wears that protective style, she's basically doing an album. Um, and yeah, so she talks about the cultural appropriation wars <laughs> and beyond. And it looks at everything from hair capitalists like Madam C.J. Walker in the early 1900s yeah. to the rise of sheer moisture today. I remember when sheer moisture got a little bit of, yeah. you know, issues from, from Twitter when they went from black hair to... Yeah. Everybody. everybody's hair, Everybody you know, mad. and we weren't happy about that. But yeah, so yeah. it talks about, you know, the scope of black hairstyling ranges from pop culture to cosmology, from prehistorical times to the Afro-futuristic. Um, yeah, and yeah, so Don't Touch My Hair basically, in a word, proves that from the being, from far from being only hair, black hairstyling culture can be understood as everything from an allegory for black oppression and black liberation. Yeah, um, that's fantastic. I mean, I had yeah, a, I had a glimpse. Yeah, I had a glimpse of the book, and while, she's been everywhere. Uh, yeah, I love has, it. She's been everywhere, like yeah. literally. And um, I think it's really interesting because she, I thought it was going to be a book of essays about mm. um, different black women, different black women, or even like her experiences Being with like her, her as, 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 like as, as, yeah, as a mixed race woman, yeah. etc. But it was a really academic approach to black hair. And it was really amazing. Like there's got amazing pictures in there of her getting her hair cane road by women in Africa. I'm not specific on the place. That's why I just said Africa, but yeah. I think it's West Africa. Um, and, you know, she's getting her hair done and it's just the political, the politicalness of it, of it all. Yeah, it's so and weird. the culture and heritage behind yeah. it. Yeah, because I never, I, for a long time, like when I was younger, I didn't think it was political. I thought that it was political in in the domestic in that for me personally I kind of had my father's hair and my father's more like Bantu in a way like black African um, whereas my mother is just like mix up mix up mm. um, and when I was younger it was always oh you know it's such a shame that you don't have your mother's hair oh you know when right you 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 brush Rifer's hair it goes you know, and the thing is, like, when I look at it, it doesn't, it's not even that bad. Yeah. But um, I always was rather, when I was younger, very insecure about my hair because I had cousins who had, like, almost coolie type hair, hair, like, that was all the way down to their asses. Mm. And I was like, why don't I have that type of hair? And it's so interesting that, for example, when I was younger, I used to think, oh, you know, mixed race people have hair that is, quote unquote, better than ours because, mm. you know, Oh, you know, you want to get with somebody that's maybe Arab because obviously Zanzibar was like taken over by the Arabs. You know, get with somebody that's Arab or who has nice hair. So think about your children. And it's so <laughs> phenomenal that like Emma is a mixed race woman, but her hair is full. It has volume. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, you know, it's something that she has to contend with. That's and it's thing. quite interesting I, to hear her perspective on I it. I find it really interesting that, you know, when... Uh, <laughs> You know, people have like these things. They're like, "Oh my god, you're mixed race, so your your hair must be must great. be nice." You know what yeah, I'm and I'm like, not everybody. But then it's the idea of what but, is but nice. What is nice and yeah. what is that? Some people have some people's hairs is slick. Some people's mm. hair is like like thicker. Some people, you know, what I mean, some yeah. people's hair is thinner and whatnot. And um, guys, I people, have braids on. I thought I should tell you that she does have braids on. <laughs> like, I shouldn't even know this. <laughs> um, yeah, Alex don't know it, but he does. Um, <laughs> yeah, but yeah you know I mean? I'm so excited because obviously it's something that I never like have done in my life before. Actually, yeah, it's just and one I of those. I want to do it. But like, people are always people are always look at me like, "Oh, Alex, why is your hair like that?" 
And I'm like, like what? It's my hair. It's my hair. <laughs> yeah. But it just happens. And you realise that sometimes it's just ge- just genetics. Genetics will come and spin you sometimes, yeah. which is why I'm very, very, very curious as to how Meghan Markle's child will just arrive and skedaddle the whole royal gene pool. It won't happen. Because have you seen her as a child when she's sitting there with her little... My issue is that there is like pl- Jackson quite a few style. different um, arguments on this because some people are like, actually, why... It's almost like having mm. black-ish. When I say black-ish, I mean like yeah, maybe coilier, curlier, yeah. coarser hair. You're talking like as like Mediterranean this, yeah, kind of looking. As like sure. a revenge on the royal family, because then that's playing into the whole idea that black hair is lesser than. Yeah. In a way. Revel- yeah. Exactly. So that's also problematic. But at the same time, Loki, I do want this baby to have some curly, to- curly hair. I want to I see want, a throwback. I, I want to see all the ancestors come through with this baby. From Megan's side, even though she obviously identifies as biracial, we get that cool, cute. But <laughs> she, the thing is, she's she's smart in verbally. Mm-hmm. She identifies as biracial, but mm-hmm. that wedding, that, that wedding was black, and her general stance on life. I don't know. I, 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 I personally as hell. don't. Know, <laughs> like, I don't know her general stance in life. She's basically just like, but she ain't gonna go around with. Her you know, see, they said they wanna, they wanna something about that they were they're considering an African name for the child that is that is really I never heard of that I saw that I saw that around on the news oh, thing God. I don't know if that could just be new spin or yeah, whatever uh, I doubt it they're probably gonna call hilarious. her like hilarious you know princess oh we have a Charlotte already Scarlet <laughs> Scarlet Rose Hmm. Diana Doubtful They might do Diana That would be cute that would be, Yeah that would be That would be quite cute that yeah. Emma um, DeBerry's Don't Touch My Hair Really looking forward to reading it The Guardian has called it Groundbreaking And Yeah man It's why black hair matters Why black hair I'm excited hair for it It's not matters. that long Nearly 300 pages But Low key it is It's coming out on um, The 2nd of May Okay. So not too, not too long away, you know. I think this week, okay. yeah, when this drops. So, right, so make sure you get it. Hopefully, we get her on, and okay. we can, you know, talk to her about it. Um, should be fun. Okay, cool. So that's another spring so, read for you. Next one we have, oh, have? have? is by an author called Doctor Boule Whitelaw the Third. Oh my god! <laughs> and. So, Dr. Boulay, White Law III. Dr. Boulay, White Law Law III, is a professor of white studies. He's a professor of white studies, though. At Undisclosed College and University. And probably Oxford or Cambridge. Yeah, probably one of those. Yeah. (laughs) Google him. Yeah. He's around. He's about. Um... And he's told this story. Well, actually, it's probably Bristol. Probably Bristol. Maybe one of them on Brighton. Yeah. Anyway, so Dr. Boulay, White Lord III, has told Nels Abbey. Nels Abbey. The phenomenal, the phenomenal Nels, Nels Abbey. Abbey. Um, how to survive as a white man in the corporate world and how to conquer the world as a white man. <laughs> while black so I, I think that this is going to be an amazing book it comes out in the middle of May I'm, um, I'm so looking excited. forward to getting stuck into this I need to I've got to read it um, and I just cannot wait but you know like Canon it's being published by Canon Gate yeah. um, and I'm just 
So essentially, it's, it's basically a satire. Yeah, it's yeah. a satire. And it's like, it's by following the white man commandments, namely that winning justifies anything and everything. That is true. You too can achieve success beyond your capabilities with lessons <laughs> with on lessons. the value of shock and awe, oh. putting compassion on the back burner and pretending racism doesn't exist. Think <laughs> like a white man teaches you how to understand, overcome and overthrow the white man in the whitest shade of pale world of work. <laughs> I cannot wait for this. Guys, I'm, I'm so excited I'm wanting the reviews to come in thick and fast. I'm wanting anything. Yeah. Rene Edo Lotch has con, um, you know, cons co-signed it. Benjamin Zephaniah has co-signed it. Yeah. Dane Baptiste, everybody. I'm, I'm so ready. excited for this because obviously I work in the corporate world and I think for me is going to be something that I'm reading and I'm going to laugh out. As in, I work in corporate, corporate world and obviously corporate, Nels corporate. is um, a previous banker and he's low-key, he actually worked for... Um, a previous client of where I work um, and I think that this book is going to make me laugh Loki will actually teach me a few things I do believe certain things might be satire but satire has definitely an element of truth in it yeah. and that's you know that's what makes it hilarious and I think we sh- those are the things that we should not miss out on just okay. because it's funny doesn't mean it's not true yeah disclaimer yeah <laughs> there's a Dr. Boulay Whitelaw III is the Distinguished Professor of White People Studies at Bishop Lamonted University and the Deputy Vice Chair of the Centre of, the Centre for Trying to Understand White People, C-U-W-P. It's so hilarious. He has written numerous successful TV shows, including Good Cops, Good White Folk, <laughs> and other wild fantasies and scientific proof the white man's ice is indeed colder. Oh, since dictating the thesis of Think Like a White Man to Nels Abbey, he has neither been seen nor heard no, from. No, of course, of course. So He's actually changed the world. I cannot wait. But, um, no, yeah, I'm, Nels, like, congratulations yeah, for this book. Congratulations for writing down the story that was told to you. That was told to you. Fantastic. I cannot wait to read this. Um, it's out 16th of May. Make sure you guys go and Google and Ten Amazon. Days and before my birthday. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody asked that question. Yeah, but I just wanted you guys to know. Um, you can send your presents at a PO box address that I will link down below. <laughs> do, you remember, do you remember PO boxes on like Newsround? Yeah. PO box, Newsround, or something, 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 some next place. You know, London. I always wanted a Blue Peter badge. Mm. I never got one. Nobody even talks about Blue Peter anymore. I know. Blue Peter was it. Who was that black woman that used to do it sometimes? She's married to. Um, Angelica, Angelica Bell. That's it. She's married to the other black man she's, that used to do yeah, shit. Yeah, she's back on, um, you know, Money Saving Expert with, yeah. the, with, with my guy, Martin Lewis. <laughs> she was literally the first, like, black woman that I saw low-key in a prominent no, place she that made, I used to watch all the time. She made the wildest return. I'm just like... Really? She's no... Like, she did the... Um, she was on Newsround. And then, obviously, her... I remember Lizzo. Do you remember Lizzo? The black guy that used to do the um, news stuff. And now he's, oh, now Lizzo's on, like... Shit. Or like BBC News or whatever. Anyway, so they used to do all of that stuff. And then Angelica Bell just, they were silent. It was quiet for time. And then all of a sudden, Martin Lewis came with the money-saving expert stuff. Yeah. And she's the co-host. And I'm like, where did you come from? She's really just minding her business. She's been writing children's books. Doing her stuff. She's been writing children's books. I love her name. Angelica Bell. Bell. Yeah, amazing. Beautiful. Black love, black love. Um, Yeah, so... I'm looking forward to Nell's book. Um, we, I think we are very looking have, forward you know to getting him on the show. Yeah. Do you know what? You didn't know it. The thing about this book is that it's it's something that a lot of black 
and ethnic, like other ethnic minority people can identify with while working, trying to find and trying to be successful mm-hmm. in this world. I also think that obviously you know how much I don't really read nonfiction like that. It's, I think this is a non-fiction that I will read because it's a non-fiction that is funny and not a non-fiction that is trying to bore me with like statistics and facts because I'm really not about that life. Yeah. I just want to get lost in a story. Yep. Um, but... This is like a really identifiable... Yeah, thing. and obviously because it, it's really relatable, I'm super excited for this. And, um, but congratulations, but yeah, Mills and, you know, Dr. Professor... Dr. Boulay. Dr. Boulay. White Law. White Law the, the, the third. third. Congratulations with your with your teaching. We look forward to it. Next. <laughs> Next. All right. What do I have? Dun dun dun. Okay. Oh, okay. This is cute. This is cute. Basically, the next book that I have is Children of Vengeance and Virtue. Wrong my eyes. You only like it for one reason. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot wait for it to read this because I need to know what happens to Inan. That's all I need to know. I need to know what happens to me. <laughs> <laughs> you ain't making it to book three, girl. Just God, understand. No, just understand listen, it's a cameo. It's a cameo. Don't chat shit. Don't chat shit. Oh my god! Can you imagine if it is a cameo, Loki? Like, oh, she enters, she dies. Ah, that would be too funny. I'm a one season wonder. You know, you have like in Game of Thrones, you have one season wonders. You know what I mean? Like, can you imagine? Ned Stark and all of them. When Ed Sheeran was in it. (laughs) But yeah, so basically guys, as of last week, you guys know that we spoke to um, Tommy Aziami and she has a phenomenal book, the next, uh, the series of um, Children of Virtue and Vengeance from the Legacy of Orisha. It's book two. It's coming out later on this year. Mm. I mean, obviously, I'm in the book and hopefully I don't get edited out by Pan Macmillan. A character. There's a character with, your name with my name on it. I'm in the book. You ain't in nowhere. Bitch, shut up. <laughs> why, why are you trying to be a hater? Guys. Guys. Are you, are, you, are you hearing all of this hateration? Why don't you want me to? Are you hearing all of this hateration in the dancery? <laughs> Are you hearing all of this hateration in the dark area? In the literaria? Are you hearing it? Because I'm hearing it loud and clear, baby boo. Don't worry, I will take you with me. You know how Beyonce, oh my God, did you see this tweet? Yeah, someone said, um, Beyonce is always taking those say my name girls everywhere when she reaches a new milestone. Just say my Just name, say my girls. name girls. She's like, she's always taking the because obviously she did Bachella and they came through. She's like, you know when she did the Super Bowl and they came through. She's like, they're all. She's always taking these say my name girls when this, she reaches a new milestone. And I'm like, listen, Alex, this is what we're gonna I'm do. Gonna send me the person who tweeted that. I said that so I can block them because I can't. You can't disrespect Kelly like that. Kelly and Michelle are referred to as the say my name girl. But don't worry, you you are my main man. You're my left hand. Yeah. When I go and, you know, act in my role as General Raifa Burner, I will take you with me. Cause we ain't about this crowd mentality up in here. We ain't about it. We all can win. We all can win. Absolutely. But I just have to ask Tommy, why don't you want me? Why don't you want <laughs> me in there? It's fine. Is my, is my name too basic? I mean, you did write an essay about, about names. names. <laughs> <laughs> play myself um, anyway so yeah Children of Virtue <laughs> and Vengeance is the breathtaking second title in Tommy Adeyemi's YA fantasy trilogy The Legacy of Arisha following her groundbreaking you know debut Children of Blood and Bone 
The story picks off after battling the impossible. Zelia and Amari, who is me, but not really me because I'm a general, have finally succeeded in bringing back magic to the land of Orisha. However, but the the, rich, the ritual that they did in the last sort of the last few pages of the last book was so powerful, much more powerful than they had imagined. That they ignited the powers of not only the Magi, who are the people of like who have magic in the land, but also some of the nobles with some sort of magic magical ancestors. Um, so now Zili struggles to unite both Magi in Arisha, where the enemy is just as strong and magical as they are, with other people. So Amari's, um, when Amari's mother forms an army of royals, eh, bitch, that is who I am commanding. What do you mean, Alex? Alex. I don't know what let, to say. Let me just read this. Yeah, but it's fine. <laughs> Amari's mother. I'm fine. I'm fine, guys. You know, Amari's mother in the book. She was a bit of a Loki, a bit of a bitch. I know she was out here. Just yeah, she was like, "Why aren't you light skin?" Anyways, when Amari's she actually was, wasn't she? Yeah, she, really she was, was horrible. When Amari's mother forms an army of royals with newly awakened powers, because you know Cersei. <laughs> Zili fights to secure Amari's right to the throne because you know bad bitch trying to overthrow you know Daenerys Targaryen you gotta do it and protect the new magi from the monarchy's wrath oh shit maybe I'm like a general for the bad army that would be really bad but then really low key on brand (laughs) (laughs) anyways so basically there's a civil war looming on the horizon and Zili finds herself at a breaking point what does this bitch do? She must find a way to bring the kingdom together or watch as Arisha tears itself apart. I imagine. I can't wait. I can't wow. wait. And also wow. we've got the movie to look forward to we as well. Movies to look forward to. Alex. Yeah. We need to make sure that I'm in this movie the second one anyway. I don't know who you're talking about. I don't even you're know. You're saying we are how... like, do we speak French now? No, but I just thought <laughs> I'm not about to be out here helping you. <laughs> You got this far by yourself. I know, I but can't help I you just like, I need your support. I will write you a letter. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I'm bitter out here. <laughs> no, I'm joking. No, yeah, of course, we'll so get you in there. The book we'll comes out later on in the year. Mm. Um, and obviously not in spring specifically. But this year. Yeah, this but year. this year. It's one thing that we're looking forward to reading. Oh my God. I will definitely be looking forward Literally, to reading. Literally, it's going to be another one of those, like, you know, when the last um, Harry Potter book came out and you were just dying to get it. Oh man. Any minute, like you were just I remember like, okay. queuing up. Flipping yeah, but congratulations. And Tommy recently did a thing online where she talks about all her rejections that she got. I think she got like yeah, 60 rejections. Yeah, she's open from, about that. Yeah, yeah, she got like 60 rejections from agents and she spent like four years writing Children of Blood and Bone and how the fact that within two years she's written two books, um, both of which are on the, you know, this definitely will be on the New York Times bestseller list. We've seen the cover release and the cover for the next book is just outstanding, phenomenal out of this world. Mm. I love this woman and I think she's a young lady who a lot of young black girls can look up to. Her story is just magical, creative. It lifts us up and it, it, it it's a world where the, like, the world is black. There is no... <laughs> There is no like oppression and the oppression that is there is is us is yeah. our own not yeah. inflicted by others that are different it's it. just it's, like it's just like our world she erased the whole racial tension 
it, we're just we're okay. trash so what's next yeah <laughs> like, like we're still trash okay, but so you're rich and yeah. i'm poor okay right let's do that let's, let's do all that with let's that now it. and it's just that like one less thing to worry about whereby we're not just fighting ourselves yeah. outside of people we're actually just fighting ourselves yep. low-key we can do with that we just have to deal with it um so yeah i'm really excited for all this right. book cool children of virtual vengeance cool I'll right. see you guys at the premiere. Yeah. You know, you might you might want to me to sign your autograph or something. I'll be the plus one. <laughs> Alex will be my plus Because my name was in the book. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. All right. Um, do, 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 do. What do you have next, Rose? Okay, so I've got, I want to mix it up with another white author. <laughs> um, I have a token white man. <laughs> Who's that token? Okay, so basically this book is called The Art of Not Falling Apart and it's an audio book that I got by a woman called Christina Patterson. Right. And she and the reason why I identify with this book so well is because she's a journalist and she basically chronicles life mm-hmm. having worked in journalism. Hold on. Sorry, having worked in journalism and she basically got made redundant and she got to a point in her life where she realized like, you know, she she is not married, she hasn't got kids, mm-hmm. and you know, she's not with anybody romantically. Oh. Her career is kind of like here, there and everywhere but yeah. she went and uh, had a conversation with various people and various people that she's met along the way along her life as, as a as a journalist working on the column at the Independent and um, being the book editor at the Independent and various things mm-hmm. and she talks about um, you know how important it is not to fall apart but also falling apart in a way that protects you and helps you learn from life. Mm-hmm. She talks about how she loves That's parties. You know what I mean? You know, no, exactly. So she like talks about how she loves parties, and um, she always puts on a birthday party, which coincides with sorry, which, which coincides with Christmas, mm-hmm. etc. And um, you know, she talks to people about you know who have lost people, who have lost siblings, who have lost spouses, and it's a very interesting look at life from a perspective of somebody who is in their like 40s and 50s and just trying to kind of make sense of everything Mm -hmm. because we get so caught up in trying to make sense of everything in our 20s and it's like we're only 10 years into adulthood what is that like when you think when you when you deep it we're only 10 years into adulthood are we we even that when we were 20 when we were 16 we knew nothing nothing when we were were 18 we thought we knew, we knew everything. everything we were 21 we were like no we were 23 20. we were like wow we don't know nothing uh, 23 25 yeah 25 i was like shit <laughs> yeah i was like well damn yeah and then the this quarter was, life crisis hits differently exactly and then christina patterson talking at like 40 50 something yeah and saying you know she thought she had everything down pat like mm. she was at work she was doing editing she was edit- editor here there and ever and then it just went to the point and I it kind of uh, sorry, yeah so it kind of speaks perfect. to the point yeah it kind of speaks to the point of like with Emma Gani when she talks about the multi-hyphenate method mm-hmm. and all these different things and how our generation is quite future-proofing trying to future-proof ourselves so that we kind of do multiple things yeah so that if one thing kind of like stops we've still got another thing that keeps yeah. us going and all these other stuff but it's a very very good book like I mean it's sometimes it's difficult to identify with her yeah um I look at it and I think, well, you're a white woman as well. Like you have all this privilege. You have all this privilege, yeah. and being in um, journalism, it's mm. a very white female, class. yeah, very white middle class, very female dominated industry, and very white female dominated mm. industry, I should add. And it's like it's a very interesting perspective that perspective that she has. She even talks about one story where she <laughs> she got made redundant. Her editor made her redundant, mm-hmm. and she ended up at the press awards. Mm. 
with the editor that made her redundant and he like skedaddled out of the back door because he didn't want to that confront her. Uh... And this is what, I mean, it's just things like that. It's like, you can fire somebody on the spot because I think in a particular building that she works, I've worked in that building, when you get fired or you get mm. made redundant, they escort you out of the building. Oh, Security come heavens. and escort you out of the building. And um, she, uh, yeah, she was talking about how they had to escort her out of the building. She went in that day thinking that she had Normal work. Day, she yeah. left at like 11 a.m. <laughs> without a job it's just really one of them things horrific. and like there's other people yeah there's other people that she's spoken to who have been through that as journalists as people in the NHS yeah. and whatnot I think very what's very important book. when it comes to this is like the one thing that I've been like looking at recently I've been watching quite a few videos on it it's just like the idea of how you really cannot place your self-worth and your self-value on low-key the things that you do because mm-hmm. the things that you do and outside things they can literally go in a minute yeah. in a minute and so when people talk about all the things that they do and all the things that they've accomplished in life and I was one of these people for a very long time I'm like, I'm very goal orientated and so it's always like what am I going to do next what have I achieved oh I've achieved these things but you don't understand that these things can go and I think the one thing that everybody needs to understand including this white woman is that Christina Patterson Christina Patterson <laughs> hey honey um, <laughs> how you doing um, <laughs> is that the intri- your intrinsic value just mm. comes from the fact that you exist the fact that you exist means that you are worth something. And obviously I'll always take it to a religious thing because obviously I believe in God. And in my head, it's like, I, you know, you guys might not relate to it, but I, I am the conscious imagination of a bigger being who made me. Absolutely. And therefore I matter just like the highest mountain Mm -hmm. on this earth, just like the most beautiful creation the most beautiful invention on this earth i matter exactly in the same way because i am a conscious literally being that was made from that higher power even if i was a bloody tramp even if i was homeless even even if i didn't have anything to my name i would still be worth the same Low key, I, me and Beyonce, we are on the same. Uh, we are low key. Uh, I, I know, I know, Alex, uh, I know, but we are. I can't even tell. Obviously, she's uh, a very talented woman, but don't, don't like. I get where you're coming nobody, from. Nobody, like, yeah, like the worth that she has, I nuance. have that worth. No, listen, nuance. no nuance up in here, yeah? <laughs> I'm telling you, and therefore, I'm like, it's very important no, okay. because. Be, these things can go yeah, yeah. in a they can, second. And they can. It's All so your accomplishments, material. yeah, it's so material. They can go in a second, yeah. and I think that is, I think, where confidence should derive from. Yeah. And when you know that, it's like I've spoken about this with loads of people, including my therapist, and it's like, <laughs> you know, and it's just like the idea of letting things define you in terms of work and accomplishments and goals is very dangerous. Absolutely, very dangerous because then you lose sight. You lose sight of who you are. And that's exactly what she t- talked about. Yeah. And that's why I say, the thing is, with, with this, it's like... Yeah, Justin, I'm just like, I am, bitch. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> She's moving mad again. It's fine. <laughs> it's we, all, we all know what we're... We all know what we're expecting nowadays. It's all good. <laughs> However... <clears throat> this book is great. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, as I said, you have to be very mindful, especially if you're coming at it from a perspective of an ethnic minority perspective, especially, for example, if you're a black woman re- listening to this or reading mm-hmm. this book, yes. you're going you're gonna to be rolling your eyes at some parts. Yeah. However, if you look at it, if you start to take things objectively, mm-hmm. and start to think, okay, I, 
I can apply that to how I deal with my manager right. or, you know, or how I deal with this person, etc. And mm-hmm. it's really good. So I think that it's worth the read. Yeah. It's worth the kind of the time. Yeah. Um, she's done a lot for herself since, I mean, anybody who is made redundant from a job and then has to pick themselves up has done, wow. has done, done the job yeah do you see what I mean and I yeah. just feel like that's very very yeah it's amazing amazing quality that some people have um anybody has it it's yeah. just about tapping into it so that's listen fantastic. like when the worst comes to worst you're gonna you you have to pull up the bootstrings you just... gotta do it when you know that foreclosure sign is coming on your, on your house <laughs> and you gotta pay that bill you, you you're gonna you dig you deep to, you dig deep, <laughs> you dig deep. so yeah I'd say everything I, I say read it like, oh, I'm not falling apart even if you read half of it or 20% of it whatever yeah. Just Give it have a, a listen. Have a listen. Yeah. Have a, I'm going to say just p- p- uh, specifically for the audio. Have a listen. Yeah. Interesting. And what is your final book? So my final book is actually a book that has already been published before, but it's kind of having a new face onto it. It's um, The Guardian actually did a um, an article, a review on it. So more than 25 years after her groundbreaking Daughters of Africa anthology, Margaret Busby reflects on the next generation of black women writers around the world. Um, So um, Daughters, this book was published a while back actually, Daughters of Africa, literally 25 years before. Oh, when I was born. (laughs) Um, and, um, (laughs) And now there's obviously, it's like an anthology excuse me, with various black women and just writing about their lives and stuff. And now we have new faces um, and we have some of my, and I, I guess I will say our, some of our favorite women writers, including Yersa Daily Ward. Ayobami Adebayo We've got Margaret Jefferson Panash Chugumadzi Nadifa Muhammad Zori I can't pronounce her last name um, I don't want to mess it up But yeah So it's basically An anthology of essays And I will read like Sort of The first paragraph Of um, this review Time was when The perception of of published writers was that all the women were white and all the blacks were men to borrow the title of a key 1980s black feminist book at best there was a handful of black female writers Toni Morrison Alice Walker Maya Angelou who were acknowledged by the literary establishment this was the climate in which more than 25 years ago I compiled and published Daughters of Africa this is Margaret Busby it was critically acclaimed, but more significant has been the inspiration that that the has been the inspiration that 1992 anthology gave to a fresh generation of writers who formed the core of its sequel, New Daughters of Africa. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm this. I think this is already. It's actually already out. It came out in March, um, and I am super excited to read this because, y'all, like it's. <laughs> Fam. It's got Mallory Blackman. It's got Yersa Daly Ward. It's got Ayobami Adebayo. Our favorite people. Mm. Um, just talking about their experiences of being black women in 21st century Britain. Yeah. And it's so rare because a lot of the things that we do see right now, and I think, you know what? I'm not even going to say it's rare because maybe if two years before last year we would talk about how black culture is essentially um osmosis from american narratives 
But I do firmly believe that this is very, very much changing. Look at the phenomenal works that we have had throughout the last 18 months Mm -hmm. to two years of, of black women writers. And I do think that it's now outside of the US and we are, it's black expanding, the diaspora is expanding. Yeah, yeah it's, expanding. The, it's that renaissance that we previously spoke about. And I don't want to continue to say, oh, it's new, you know, oh, our narratives are so US orientated and it's filled with the froth of, of, of US humor and, and, and life. It's, mm. we're actually taking that mantle now. So I, I'm going to let that narrative rest and say that it's just beautiful to see these these new writers coming up, um, having our experiences. And obviously okay. anything that Yorisa Daily touches is great. So yeah, guys, New Daughters of Africa, previously been published before, but now it's an anthology with newer voices by the phenomenal Margaret Busby, who's been just in this literary sphere for it's a very long time. She's been doing what she has to do for to real. get to where she has to get to, like, you know what I mean? Yo. For a long time. So Amazing. Yeah. Um, so, I'm very excited to read it and God, The Guardian wrote a pretty decent um, review over it. It's it's edited by Margaret Busby. It's published by Myriad. New Daughters of Africa is launched launched at the Women of the World at South Bank Centre. Um, and it's already out, so make sure you get it. Okay, cool. Yeah. So guys, those are our spring reads. Um, we're going to move on to our general discussion mm-hmm. in a minute, um, just after this break. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. So we're back. Um, I thought that this would be good for just the general discussion mm-hmm. around writers, creativity, and corporations. Um, I think that so we're basing it off an article um, yeah. last year, not article, but last year, a publishing house was launched. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say publishing house, but somebody who um, has, de- has developed a publishing company um, was launched in May 2018. Um, it's called De Montfort Literature, and it's started by a man called John De Montfort. Mm-hmm. And what his main goal was to make sure that writers were being paid for um, to make writing, uh, being a novelist as a viable career. Yeah. So they're being paid to write their book. They will be paid a salary of £24,000 a year. And um, they would, in that year, they would they would get a monthly salary. They would work, mm-hmm. um, work as in write their book. Yeah. Um, once, it's pub- once it's ready to publish, it would then go through the process that a tr- traditional publisher would go through. So the book, the book cover, the title, yeah. the editing, um, the marketing strategy and all sorts. Yeah. And um, yeah, I thought that it was a really interesting kind of way to look at it. And more so because Jonathan comes from a banking background. Mm-hmm. He's a banker and he set up this company to kind of make sure that novel novelists had a viable career. Yeah. And I thought that it was a good question to ask because... We have so many people in this uh, community, um, mm-hmm. as in the writing community and in the publishing world, who discuss, um, you know, all authors getting paid pittance or not getting paid that much in advances. And, you know, the very few get paid the, the quarter of a million, the half a million, the whatever amount of, for an advance, etc. And... Um, I wanted to know what you kind of thought about that because mm. he came, so he comes from a corporate background and he's looking at it obviously from a business strategy way. He's like, there's money to be made, made. but there's also money to be put in mm-hmm. to the creators who want to do it. So I wanted to know what you thought about about that, to be honest. Um, so I think for me, this challenged a very mm. snobby attitude that I once had, low-key still struggling with. Um <laughs> This is growth, guys. This is growth, right? So I would even say like up until last year, if you told me that, oh, you know, what do you think about paying writers to write? I'd be like, "Uh, why the hell would you do that? Um, Write your book. So why do I need to pay you to write? Because it's technically a luxury, right? Well, I I, I previously looked at it like that. Mm. Like, get a real job, you know? And that's the thing. And then, right. Exactly. And um, I think my growth came from the fact that, in a way, I was coming from a very privileged background, in that, not privileged background, but in a privileged mindset. The fact that I thought you get a job, but writing is an extracurricular. Mm. Writing is something that you do on top. In my head, like 
being a full-time writer to me was and also still is, because I'm not J.K. Rowling and I haven't made a million based off writing, is something that you do mm. on top of what you already do and therefore deal with it. Do you know mm. what I mean? But however, I have come around to the idea that, you know what, there are people in this world who writing is it. That is their career. Mm. That is what they want to grow up being. For me, it was always like, yeah, I want to be a writer, but I also want to have a job. And because I came in the world as it came into the world and the world told me you need to have a job and writing is this luxury, it's this extracurricular, it's this thing that you do for art and art's sake, you know? And maybe <laughs> maybe Oscar Wilde kind of, you know, came into my head my my mind in that sense in that I do still very much have this idea of writing as this internal thing writing as this art thing and am I willing or are or should people be willing to invest in a writer writing because what if their writing is shit but then do you know what it's I mean? Such a thing. It's like, a thing I find, I, but then I'm like, then I just have to get over that because yeah. at the end of the day, it's this is somebody's career. Mm. This is a, but then is, how do you structure it in a business? Right. So this it is, works. This is kind of what I found. So there's only two things with regards to investment. Mm. I feel like I feel like a lot of people don't necessarily see things as an investment of their money and whatnot. For, mm-hmm. for example, if you're buying a ton of books, um, I recently just started a people yeah. and that's kind of works as like a share sort of thing. You buy it and then a, a certain amount of peeps, pips, mm-hmm. which are shares, mm-hmm. people buy a certain amount and it obviously helps fund particular careers or whatever. Right. People, when you look at what you get for what you buy, yeah, when you buy a book, you're investing in an author, an author's career. That's very, that's quite a new thing because no, no. when I buy a book, I mean, I'm buying the story. Yeah. It's only obviously now mm. that I'm aware of the publishing industry and very that's much just, involved, that, that's just it's a, like- That's a shift of perspective. Yeah. But ultimately, when we, obviously, because we know a bit more about how it particularly works. Right, yeah. But, you know, when you're actually sitting there thinking, okay, um, I want to write this book. I'm going to write it. I'm going to put it out. Um, ultimately, you need to make back the advance that was given to you. Mm-hmm. Now, when you've got the the this guy, De Montfort, Jonathan De Montfort, who's talking about, I'm going to pay you salary. You get a certain amount each month, whatever. And then we sit down and we edit it. And then when you start to sell the book, it's a bonus on top of your salary. Mm-hmm. To me, because pay, technically, I'm making the money, right? To me, that makes so much sense. But obviously, I come from a position of outside of a particular industry, so mm-hmm. therefore, I don't know what letter really goes in mm-hmm. to it on another side. And I don't think I don't like this idea that arts should be seen as this vocation and this extracurricular thing. Mm-hmm. So, like, you should really there should be this kind of. So you do you- way of like you know you want to create and you want to create for a living. How can you make it a viable living? You know, when I grew up and I said to my dad I wanted to be an actor, mm-hmm. and he said that's great, but you have to know that there's some days you're going to be out of work. Mm-hmm. It's not a, it's not a consistent career, especially at the beginning. So what does that look like? And that kind of made me think, oh, and it wasn't a thing like oh okay I can make it work in my mind. It was more of a 
I don't know if I can sustain that. I don't know what that means. And when there's when there's things in place or things put in place to say, okay, so you can kind of like create and act or create music or do whatever yeah. and be consistently paid and live, then there's, yeah. there's a discussion to be had. I and do, this, yeah, this helps I, it. I do think that the, like, I think we're looking at it very differently because in a way sometimes we might even isolate the creative industry from the corporate industry. So, you know, mainstream capitalism to alternative capitalism. (laughs) And um, when really it all actually works together, because as much as as a writer, you're writing and you're thinking about your art and your craft and, you know, your plot and your story, when you get an agent and when you, you know, your book gets picked up and whether it's you're going to get auctioned or Mm. it gets picked up by a publishing industry, it literally flips on its head. Then it becomes, what is your pitch? How are we going to market this? Who is going to buy? How are they going to buy it? Precisely, who are yeah. Who is the audience? So then it becomes a balance between creativity and cor- corporate mentality, mm. marketing, actual... It, I guess that other side that you don't consider maybe as an, as an artist, right? I do think that these two things can work together but we just need to find a better way so in my head i do really like this idea that you know the de montfort guy did with regards to funding writers to write and paying them but i do hope that the writers have are are business savvy enough to look at their contracts that you know okay when i'm writing you're paying me 24k to write as a year, first of all, I'd say like low key uh, negotiate that up because that's not enough. Um, For a writer, I think that that's quite significant. Personally, significant because, because I mean, low key like advances you, are like what five k. Yeah, yeah. When, when they're you, not advances are not that exactly. much so, as a norm, like a normal. Well, but when I, mean, I found out, I was appalled. Yeah, yeah, I was like, what? You know what I mean? Because when you think about what it takes, it depends. It, first of all, it depends on what the publisher believes and right. believes in the in the story that's yeah. being published. Pushed, which it's subjective to every editor. And not everyone's going to have a Harry Potter. Not everyone's going to do yeah. that. I would imagine her her advance would have been really low. Yeah. And it just so happens that some things take off in mm-hmm. ways that you never expect. And when you think about what a writer does, obviously the hours of research, depending on the book, mm-hmm. research, the creation, the time, the sitting down, like if you're getting paid the same amount, you know, as somebody who's a, say a commissioning editor mm-hmm. or somebody who's an entry level journalist or somebody who works in a like a law firm but not necessarily corporate a city one or whatever do you know what I mean like it you have to think about okay as an as an entry, entry level, level it's a good salary, it's a good salary. It, it keeps the lights on it does what it needs to do yeah and so things like this like the clarity that comes with something like this yeah. makes sense however I do think that you in know, my head I'm like okay so when when you've written this yeah. book and then it comes to marketing and then the payment what comes, happens next what happens next that's what happens next. how much are you off. getting yeah. how many royalties how like what's the percentage of royalties that you're getting from this and then what's the percentage that this organisation or this corporate entity is paying you mm. and then can you negotiate if you're writing another book can you re- renegotiate or are you stuck in for 
more than a few years in the same thing. Mm. I think that's when the creativity aspect of it needs to be more business savvy. And so I don't like the idea of creativity, corporate being these two things that are very different. I'd like to see them more entrenched in a, I don't know, a Venn diagram where you, as, as a creator, you are in the middle. You understand the business side of it. You also understand yeah, the creative. Because about, I mean, you understand the creative side because you're the one that's creating at the end of the day, right? Yeah. But you can't just leave the, the, the corporate side to the other awareness. side. Exactly. And the business yeah. savvy and, and all of that. Yeah. But in point, at the same time, when we think about when we think about this, we've got to really understand that everybody's coming from a particular perspective and space. Mm-hmm. Now I don't like the fact, I, don't, I, don't, I don't I don't like the idea that a lot of things are mutually exclusive. Yeah. For example, if you are working in a corporate then corporation, you then you can't be creative. If you're working creative Which, and you can't want to live I'm, off your I'm, creation. Yeah. So therefore for me, I'm a bit like, you know, that you've got work. it can't work. I'm, you I'm, actually I'm have to be open minded enough. Then you know, yeah. Yeah. Everybody like creativity is something that comes from your a imagination. deep your imagination from a deep spiritual kind of place. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you wanna sit down and you wanna tell a story. You wanna you wanna you wanna translate what you're thinking onto a canvas. You want to incorporate a person mm-hmm. on a stage that's yeah. what you want to do yeah however the realities of life is that we need to keep the lights on that's so right. what is it that how can you find the balance i know people that are writing and writing and writing and writing they're still waiting for their chance mm-hmm. but they have to shift in places and they have to put like get money elsewhere teaching or writing or doing and that's it I do elsewhere. think that we are and really just means not like, investing in our creative spaces exactly and it's just not like fair. the corporate world is great I mean there are many sacrifices don't get me wrong like you work your ass off to the point where like you'll just be crying in a cab at 3am coming back home like because it's that tough and the compensation is great but you have to ask sometimes you ask yourself is it worth it some to some people that it's a life it is to some people it's not you just have to understand who you are but at the same time we are not investing in our creative spaces i don't think because um the fact that people have to struggle to just express themselves is a real issue. Mm. I believe it's a real issue. We need to get to a space where everybody can live and can create and there's a baseline. This is it. Yeah. And this is why with this particular aspect of publishing industry, I think that corporations and creation can work work together. together Yeah. Because it's like, you can say we need 10 new writers on X, Y, and Z mm-hmm. publishing platform and yeah. we will pay you. Obviously, you got to go through interview and stuff because I think through the process in which um, De Montfort Literature uses, they yeah. have to go through the application, they've got to go through the interview, they've got to do all this stuff. Obviously, the interview will be discussing your idea um, and whatnot. Yeah. And you've got to go through all of that as if you would go through any other job. I do think and though it is starting. So for example, what a lot of people don't know is that a lot of creative spaces are actually really owned by corporations. Exactly. So let's talk about something stupid. Like I don't know, not stupid, but these book, like these publishing houses, a lot of the times these, I mean, publishing houses are a corporation. Yeah. You know, and I think it's Penguin, HarperCollins, yeah. all of these things, they are a corporation. They're owned by private equity companies. You have your bookshops, Waterstones, and, you know, all these other bookshops. They are owned by corporations such as public, you know, 
pri- private equity firms mm. they are owned by you know big holding companies that are owned by big billionaires and, and oligarchs do you know what i mean and so i do think that it's more intertwined than you think and people are just not giving the one the creators at the bottom money and they're not giving the corporates in the middle and top time to live their lives mm. and it's just all messed up yeah yeah and i don't know how we're going to find them. we need a revolution proce- there's, I, a, there's literally it's literally a due process for everything we need a, we need we need a revolution the creatives have time and the corporates don't have a life <laughs> This is it. The, this is it. There's a whole distribution of wealth that needs to happen. They don't, whole, they don't have a life. And the thing is, if you think about how much the, the UK takes in from the from the creative industry and about how much they they literally earn. You like, have money, but you won't have time to spend it. On the other side, you have time and you won't have money to spend. There we go. We're so looking, I'm just we're, like, we're yo. Looking, we're looking at north of 100 billion. Yeah, in the UK. So I'm just thinking to myself, like, at the end of the day, what is it? What's going on at this at this Demonfort Literature Place? You've yeah. got the, you have to. This is the process. You do the application form. Mm-hmm. You sign an NDA, which which is which is wild to me because it's like, well, what are you trying to protect? Why, what are they? This yeah. is NDA. Why is, are they signing an NDA? Are they Beyonce? This is I'm saying. It's like NDA required to be signed to protect DML's application process. That's re- what. That's really that's, weird. That's that's a bit weird. Um, psychometrics. Yeah, you got to do a psychometric test. What the Watson and Glazer test? The verbal reasoning. I yeah, maybe they need to know if you. Can spell if you're okay if you're dyslexic if if you're all right that is so rude second nda oh wow nda required to sign to be signed to protect you when we discuss your ideas for novels as part of the interviews okay i can can understand that that, yeah um discuss ideas is the next stage we'll bring you in for or by telephone for an interview to discuss any ideas you have the interview (laughs) that's so that's six stages before you get five stages before you get to the sixth stage the interview sounds like an investment banking process because he's a banker you see what i mean like you got to um we'll bring you in for an interview to meet you and and discuss the internet i haven't met you raw (laughs) i said peak Um, so you mean to tell me? Sorry, I ain't seen you. I don't know who you are. I know. And um, and the final bit is to agree the terms. So again, obviously these Contract. are nego- these are negotiable. You don't have a lawyer. So that's your peel. The fuck. base. So what I'm what I'm hearing is that the base salary is 24k. If you wanted to negotiate for more, you always negotiate up, guys. So you can negotiate 30k downwards. What do you mean? This is, this is what I'm saying. So you can go down. But this is what I'm saying. Like I just I just found this a very interesting case study as to look at how we're kind of appreciating the creator within the corporate space. So, anyway, so, what so I, do, I wanna, what, what's very important to me is like, I can't lie. I'm, and I'm still struggling with the idea of like, when I write, for instance, and one of the things I was like talking to my friend about is like, I remember having an interview and being like, yeah, I might not even write until I'm like 40. Hmm. But only because I don't like the idea of the, the art of creating and, and, and corporate, corporate mentality getting in the way of that i'm very much anti-establishment when it comes to the act of creating so when you are creating i really hope that it is authentic and not money orientated because it, it comes very easy to be like let me just write this article because you know the commissioning editor is is going to give me 300 pounds for 800 mm. words mm. And let me just write it. I'm very much against it. Even though I see the privilege in being like, 
oh, what, you don't want me to get 300 pounds? I have bills to pay. You don't want me to get 300 pounds because you're all about art. Mm. Do you know what I mean? I see how that can be translated in that way. But I'm still very very much adamant that actually- You want to create freely. Create freely. I think that's the ultimate goal for most people. Yeah, and I really wish that 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 to me is that when it comes to people who create, who write, who paint, who make music, who- have organizations that are all about protecting that that is so important to me mm-hmm. possibly one of the reasons why when i write i don't really share much of it i write a lot i don't share because i'm just like very protective Maggie, that's a personal issue that you need to deal with your, yourself know, and your own, so. <laughs> sorry <laughs> but but i that's my biggest worry it, of corporations thing. and creativity mixing is that one foregoes the other yeah and corporations have the money and 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 and, and the background to withstand but does does the creativity have the backbone mm-hmm. to say I'm still going to be creative in the face of all of this? I just, yeah, I'm very much of an opinion that it doesn't sound alone. It does not sound alone. Mm. You know what I mean? Like you need, it needs to have the support structure of something. Oh, you know, I love structure. You know what I mean? You have the structure, you have the structure, you can then let creativity flow within it. Like, you know what I'm saying? Some yeah. people, people like, it depends on who you are. But yes, guys, if you have any questions for us, um, yeah. any questions on this topic in particular, do let us know. Mostlylit at gmail.com or yeah. you can DM us at any stage. Yeah. Or DM Mostlylit and um, you can let us know. All righty, all right, all right, all right, all right. All right, all right, all right. So we're on to Mostly Flicks. What are, what are you watching? All right, so okay, so there's two things I'm watching right now, uh-huh. and um, actually, am I watching two things? <laughs> <laughs> what are you watching? You know, I love um, what you watch because I always end up watching it. And okay, it. obviously, so I just trying to think of what, what. All right, so what I decided to get back into watching um, over the Easter weekend. Mm. Um, <laughs> you watch something over that weekend? Absolutely over that weekend, yeah. Because I just found myself just watching stuff. I watched. Um, Jurassic Park series. So, what like, the movies? The movies, okay. yeah, obviously. So, I watched Jurassic Park, then I watched Jurassic Park 2. So, I'm gonna watch so Jurassic Park and then Lost World, Jurassic Park. Right. I watched Jurassic Park 3. Did I watch Jurassic Park 3? Actually, I think I watched them all. No, I watched Jurassic Park, Jurassic Park 2, and then, then The Lost World, or whatever it is. Oh, the last one that I, the last one I watched. Lost World, then Lost Jurassic World. Park 3. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I watched those um, over the weekend. And you know what I found? I found that Steven Spielberg is like an amazing. This is, I understand why he has a cult following. Do you think? And he has a like a really strong audience right. from, from like Star Wars to Back to the Future to Indiana Jones to right. Steven to um, Jurassic Park to all of that stuff. And I understand, <laughs> bless you, and I understand why he has all of that. Right. Because of the, the like, I remember when I went to um, Empire Awards and Empire the Magazine, they have these awards each year mm-hmm. and they kind of celebrated him as the director, um, as a director and like just person of the year. And the orchestra, when the soundtracks that he has, the, the orchestra, mm. the music, the intensity that he brings with every story that he tells. E.T., I think he did E.T. as well. Mm-hmm. Like the intensity of, across it. And Jurassic Park isn't even scary. <laughs> yeah. But I was there jumping. For what reason? <laughs> because of the music. Because of the music. Yeah. And like, you know, this this dinosaur pretending to be silent 
and then just turns around and it's like, you know. And it's, it's just really funny because it's just like the way that he's kind of built up his kind of like career. Um, I'm not obviously, I'm not a whole Steven Spielberg like yeah. archivist, yeah. like whatever. However, but of the stuff that I've watched, I've really, really understood that the the, the soundtracks have been so important mm-hmm. to everything that he's written and yeah. directed and produced. And I just like, and I was just started to watch Jurassic Park, and I was like, this is a really, <laughs> this is a really amazing series. Yeah. Like, as much as you know, this could never happen in real life ever, which most of his stories are like, they can't happen. You think, but then you think to yourself, they actually could, might be able, possibly, I just, I'm not sure if they will kind of happen. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I'm watching, I watched Jurassic Park and i um, still watching The Good Fight. I've just really just got back oh, into- Oh, The Good Fight. I'm going to start watching it. Yeah, I got back into The Good Fight um, to this morning. <laughs> and um, and uh, yeah, so I'm just in those spaces. And obviously we're going to speak about Game of Thrones a bit in a minute. Yeah. But um, that's all I'm kind of- Watching. really watching yeah. at the minute um, I need to get back into like the British dramas that are happening on like ITV and um, BBC yeah so things like Ghost and obviously I want to watch Fleabag yeah people uh, have been talking about it I'm people have been talking it. about it um, something about white women drama there was, a, there was a tweet that compared it that said oh what are you watching tonight Chewing Gum or Fleabag. Right. And I was like, that's a very interesting comparison that you're making. Yeah. Because you've got a black woman lead. Right. Of a story, which is pretty much a similar, which is a pretty similar demographic, like in environment, very similar timeline. Yeah. And then you've got a white woman's lead who's been making several, quite a bit of press right about now. Chewing gum's not really been like, it's not new at the minute. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, Fleabag, Fleabag, Fleabag ending after series three yeah. is quite a new media thing. So I'm thinking, why would you put that up on thing? People, some people might not have never heard of chewing bag, chewing gum. Sorry, <laughs> chewing bag. No, 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 chewing gum. Yeah. So you, why did you put that up? And why did you put them up against each other? I don't understand. Yeah. But anyway, so yeah, I'm looking forward to getting into talking to like the British dramas and like the Fleabags and all that stuff. Yeah. And there's a lot of stuff going on in ITV. Yeah. Like the Bay and all that stuff. Yeah. And whatnot. So. Yeah, nice. that's what I'm. That's what I'm watching so far. So I'm watching. Well, I've been continuously watching Homecoming, a film by Beyonce on Netflix. And um, obviously, it's not a film by Netflix. It's a film by Beyonce. I hope you know that. Beyonce definitely had a had an email that got sent out from Parkwood Entertainment that said, "Um, no, sorry, that's that caption can't work for us." Um, and I obviously, you guys, if you guys haven't watched Homecoming, I don't. I personally think you shouldn't be listening to this podcast. You're not invited. I personally don't approve of you listening to me and and Alex talking. Um, Homecoming is a um, a documentary by Beyonce on Netflix documenting her 2018 Beachella performance giving us only 20, 20 minutes of actual documentary time because obviously this bitch is busy and she's just doing overtime. Alex is holding his hand up because he wants to say something. What's up? I don't want to interrupt you. Uh-huh. Like the patriarchal system has already kind of like uh-huh. told me that I could. Uh-huh. I want to say yeah. So, <laughs> oh God. <laughs> you know what? Just, you know what's so funny about this? It's the fact that we stream, we stream this 
and we could have been patient. <laughs> we could have been. We, we, no. we could have been so patient. I remember the Sunday we we streamed this. We streamed it. Whole thing. I have it downloaded on my laptop. The, the, the Saturday. Yeah. The Saturday. Yeah. The, the first one. The first, the first one, which is yeah. yellow. Yeah, which is yellow. Like, I was. I remember watching. I was like, you know what, Alex? You actually could have just waited for this to happen. I hope. No, what do you mean a year later? But no. I was like, then I was like, no, actually. No, you couldn't. No, 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 because no, she's moving mad. Yeah. <laughs> she's actually moving mad. Sorry, I thought I'd just say mm-hmm. that right now. <laughs> but yeah. So yeah. So I'm. Lesson. I've been watching that consistently. Obviously, Beyonce dropped um, a whole album like live album alongside it that me and Alex have been listening to I've been listening to every literally every other day and um, in general to, in general it's just been playing in the background question girl like the good sis we have to get her to number one um, <laughs> but Tell me why Beyonce has been so active. She posted a video of her getting her edges laid. I was like, why are you acting like a human being? What is wrong with you? Sorry, Alex is moving my mic back. What is wrong with you? Why are you giving us access into your life? I don't understand. Okay, so you're telling us what you're doing. What is it you're, you're doing? Telling you're telling us about your Adidas collaboration that I hope is not anything to do with House of Derion because I don't want to see that trash. I was very, very concerned. Anywhere. Because I was like, why are you telling us oh, what you're doing? And showing us videos. Of what you're doing. Before, before Guys, they get oh my to God, say Alex, that. Alex, Beyonce has a phone case that has letters that say Beyonce on it. She's a stan of Beyonce. This is how you know Beyonce is bigger than Beyonce. She's a stan of Beyonce herself. You know when Beyonce told the hive to calm the fuck down and we were like, bitch, shut the fuck up. She does that to herself. She, she, has, she played she has, herself with her own brand. Can you imagine? Her, her own brand. She is a fan of her own brand. Can you imagine? She has a phone case with letters of Beyonce, the name, the anagrams around it. I was like, bitch, what? What are you doing? She gave us a whole instant live of her own, Ivy of Park, her own, yeah. like Ivy Park Adidas, slash Adidas collab. I was like, I'm confused. I, I don't know like, what to think. This whole two weeks has been very stressful yeah, for me, so you know? I was, I was like, so before the products come out? Right? Like, you're not just like, going to surprise it's, launch? You're going to just, you're going to just upturn the whole marketing strategy? I, people, Who is in your team now? <laughs> this like, is what I'm saying. Honestly, I'm like, people I'm, have been fired. Like, we don't have album marketing it, people nowadays because of what you've done with self-titled. Exactly. You came and disrupted the whole situation. So now people don't have jobs and now you want to give them their jobs back? <laughs> I like Make it make sense. <laughs> you know? Make it make, make sense. sense. Anyway, <laughs> but she's got a big like marketing guy. Anyway, so that's what I've been watching. I've also, I also watched a film. All right, guys, so this is up, yeah. You know, Jane the Virgin is back now and that Rodriguez woman, we don't, you know, she's... She's a bit wayward, but she's in Jane the Virgin. So I support her in Jane the Virgin because I love that show. Even though I feel like Raphael should leave her and, and that stinking Matteo, you, because you know she's me, moving mad. Do you know what makes me sick? The fact that I actually know what you're talking about, but right. I have never watched it. So I watched, there's a <laughs> film on mad. Netflix. It's called Someone Great. And it's got um, the guy from, oh, what's that beautiful man from that film? Latif, Lakeith La- Sutherland. Yes, Lakeith him. Sutherland. And it's essentially a breakup I movie. I watched half of it. I haven't watched it. Tell me why I was crying. I don't know. But this film is essentially this, you know, young Latino girl who wears a T-shirt that says Latina AF, which is very black, like black slang, which is one thing that I I'm very uncomfortable with because I'm like, yeah, sure, you're promoting your people. But at the same time, you're using black nuances to make think, what you do just be careful prominent. Just be so careful. I'm very be careful I'm, there I'm, I'm uncomfortable with it. You're uncomfortable because of what's been 
shown because a lot she of she has a shirt in this movie called Latina, Latina as, Af. yeah as fuck right yeah as fuck but the thing is, and I was just like but, but are Latin did the yeah, Latinas do that yeah did because, they start that shit or yeah. was it black people let me just tell you all right tell are, me. because there are black people that, there are black people that are Latina no I get that so that's the, so you have to remember yeah black people but this, mean, she's, not, she's not about the one did you see that whole I just felt like you know but you have, you have you to know, remember when that African American I was anti-black I don't understand she was giving us Oscar nominated Academy Award roles she was giving us Academy Award reactions to people saying that she's anti-black I really don't fuck with her but I love her <laughs> I love her in Jane the Virgin we just need we so need the clarity, that. We need I, clarity I would like the nuances but also they've got that girl in that film with Spike that uh, series with Spike Lee um, she's got to have it She's got a habit. She is in that film. And also, after, I think this woman is absolutely beautiful. She's gorgeous, man. Like, I don't understand how someone can I was like, stuff. Like, can you, like, what? Like, what? Like, God made you, bitch? Like, you were made by God. Anyways. She's got them eyes yeah. that will just kill you. I bet she's, oh, I bet she's a Scorpio. She is. <laughs> let me get, let me get her. She's gorgeous. <laughs> she's in there. She's like, she's in this film called Someone Great, which is basically Nina, Nina Rodriguez's blah, blah, character getting over a breakup with Lakeith whatever his name is oh, and she's, she's an Aries she's an Aries oh they're hard headed wait hold on it's not her it's not her anyways not so her. yeah I watched this film and guys if you are going through a breakup or you miss a certain nigga don't be watching this film <laughs> because this film is this I genuinely watched this as like a background thing like background radiation it was just supposed to be there when i was getting <laughs> ready radiation. yeah You're and all of a sudden i got into it and i missed the motive that i was supposed to go to and i just sat in bed and i was like oh my god i'm really sad but i do think it was beautiful one of the most beautiful part was when nina rodriguez's character was just like ordering something and lakeith was like oh i love you and I thought I was gonna die. It was so yeah, homecoming, someone great. Oh, she's and a Gemini. She's a Gemini? Of course she's a Gemini. Yes! Yes! <laughs> her bitch! Name, her name's DeWanda Wise. Do you remember DeWanda Wise? She's a Gemini. When was she born? 30th of May. Oh, I'm 26th of May. Ew. My Gemini sister. <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with you people just, hating on Gemini. Just bleep twice if you need help, DeWanda. <laughs> I know what, you know, there's several people in you. <laughs> The one that we're asking for. <laughs> the one that needs help. <laughs> Alex, you're so fucking rude. You are so rude. Guys, Alex once told me that I have five people in me. What are those people again? I can't breathe. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what are those? You were like, you have angry Ray. You have angry Ray. You've got overly passionate Ray. Wait, what got- is... You've got subtle Ray. I've got subtle Ray. You've got introverted Ray. I've got introverted, yeah. I, yeah and guys, when I go out and there's a motive, there'll be like f- 10, five minutes where I just won't be there because I'll just go in the corner and okay, just sit so by Okay, so disclosure, guys. When we were on, <laughs> there was a bit like, what was it? There was this bit like, she just went quiet. And I was like, what's up? And she's like, nothing. I'm like, what's going on? Nothing. Nothing's happening. Are you okay? No, I'm just fine. Don't worry. I just want to go home. I'm like, huh? I'm like, Wait, when was this? I'm like, we were just in a live show. Oh yeah, no, yeah. literally, I have, I no. have my moments. So I'm yeah. like, like when there's like a big thing, I'm just like, I actually just want to go home, and sleep. I'm just, I'm tired. I don't want to see people. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Alex is like, you have five people in you. Yeah, five people in you. I just, just know I don't know one. why there's five. Just declare which one. It's fine. I just, I can adapt. I'm adaptable. Like, <laughs> so that's why I'm watching. And I also there's this film that I want to watch, guys. It's called Velvet Buzzsaw. Ooh. 
It's a film that's got Jake Gyllenhaal. Gyllenhaal. It's Gyllenhaal. Some white guy told me it's Gyllenhaal. And you know white people know I, how I, to pronounce it. I don't care about them. It's white Gyllenhaal. That's <laughs> what I thought. I was like, Gyllenhaal. And he was like, no, it's Gyllenhaal. How Anyways, do you say? <laughs> he, um, he's got Gyllenhaal. a film. There's a film on Netflix that come out and it's all about like art shit. <laughs> okay. Art shit. It's all about, Be careful, it's bro. basically a parody on art and pretentiousness and all of that but also it's it's supposed to be a horror but it's not really because it's low-key a bit of a comedy it's very tongue-in-cheek witty um and it's on netflix and i'm really excited to watch it because i, I remember when the um net um the trailer came out and i was really excited but i didn't watch it so that's what i'm gonna watch possibly later on today or sometime within the next few days okay and um, I'm not really watching much actually because okay. I've been really busy. That's cool. But you've yeah. like, you, I mean, that sounds like enough though. Yeah. Let's talk about Game, Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. Bum, bum. We should have an entry music. Okay, so we're back on season seven. Eight. Eight of uh, Game of Thrones. And we are two episodes in, um, which we're, we're heavily contesting the US audience because we're proper fighting you at the same time. Because you guys get to sit there in your living rooms at 5 p.m. while we've got to sit there at, at 2, 2, 2 a.m. in the morning. While <laughs> most of us have work, we've got to wait till 9, 9 p.m. on the Monday because all of you will be tweeting spoilers and memes. And it's just like, you guys are all unfair. And then we've got the Times talking about, oh, here are the spoilers spoilers of x y and z and you're like no yeah we not got it at the same time but so season eight of season game of thrones has started game of thrones we've, we've been given the context it's, it's going to be a war it's going to be cold it's going to be like everybody everybody is dying everybody's dying <laughs> and everybody is really trying to so see episode one, so of, episode season one of season it was eight. a little slow but i quite liked it people were like oh it's slow i'm like don't you guys remember game of thrones game of thrones is slow but season seven spoiled you guys and you it guys you everything you guys were like oh my god it's so fast paced no remember how slow and mm. nuanced and full of detail game of thrones was yeah. but season seven got you guys thinking that this shit is all you know rumpety puppety loads of action no so season eight started off with you know Daenerys Targaryen and essentially everyone coming to Winterfell because that is kind of where the whites and the white walkers are basically on their way from and from from from, um, coming from the north (laughs) from season season seven um obviously you know Cersei and 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 everybody was kind of aware like Danny and and John were like yo these people are coming we need to forget about our little throne made of swords and we need to understand that we have a bigger enemy and I think that's wonderful because it really tests people's uh how do I say it um resolve resolve but also perspective because first of all Cersei's dumb as fuck no she's not i love i love cersei but also she needs to she's stupid a little bit okay she's smart in a way that she's not going to the north and she's like you know what you heifers can fight these people for me when you've lost then you can come to my army you know 
Okay, so should we go through episode one? Let's go for okay, episode so one. Okay, episode, so episode one, Daenerys arrives in Winterfell with John and... There's loads of reuniting. Uh, yeah, so episode one... And some episode two. Episode one is pretty much that everybody's starts reuniting. It starts Loki. reuniting. Like literally, Ari is there. Ari is there. Especially John's Ari's there. Ari's been there since season seven. Yeah. But like Ari is there. John sees Ari for the first time since John season one. John also sees Bran for the first, first time, time since, since season, season one, one, episode two. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I mean, so like, so they all they've all basically come together. Tyrion is out here. Supporting the, his as, queen as the hand of the queen and whatnot, yeah. and um, Bran Stark is just moving mad. He's like, he's being like, everybody's gonna die, guys. Everybody's gonna die. <laughs> no, do you know what? Yeah, emo. Bran, like, like, so basically, what is life worth living? Guy, nobody cares. Yo, anymore. Bran is <laughs> essentially up, what. Well, from episode two, we kind of understand that, and there's a, this big profound moment in that Bran. As the three-eyed raven, Loki knows the beginning and end of times. He is the memory of man. He can access them all. Exactly. And therefore, mean he knows the reason though, yeah. what he does, because he can access and go. Yeah, and people I mean, will be like, oh, no, okay. I mean, he can access and go to those yeah. times, but he doesn't know. For example, if he asks him a specific thing, he can go to it. Yeah, and to find, find out. out. Yeah. So he has but, access yeah, to all of it. Yeah. Essentially, he is like the memory of man. And the reason why he's got the, the mark of, of, you know, the Night King is because these White Walkers, they just want to end the first men. They want to end man. Hmm. And if you remove, I think that's this profound moment in season two where he talks about like the fact that if you remove the memory. <laughs> Excuse me. Sorry. Sorry. If you remove the memory of men, you remove life and living and, and, and all that aspect. And that's and at the end of season two, they're kind of doing this whole strategy of, yo, how are we going to defeat these White Walkers? Because they're marching on Winterfell and they're coming for us. They've got Viserys, Viserion or whatever. Viserion. They've got him. Oh, no. And how are we going to do this? What I did love, I mean, obviously, episode one was just, you know, just reuniting Arya and, you know, Sansa. And obviously, they've already met, but like, you know, Danny and, and yeah. Danny fitting in and understanding that the North ain't no. really about this business. They saying. really it's, are not here I mean. like it really, for it. It's a really good, um, humbling, it, it should have been a yes. really good humbling moment for Daenerys because Daenerys. she's like, you know, she's conquered like all of these parts. Of, yeah, she's on, conquered Asapor, Yukai, Marine, all of them. Park, and she's places, she's yeah. come to, and she's to like, the North and these people are like, who the and, hell and are you? They're like, pause. <laughs> You come over here with your blonde self and your dragons, and you think that we're gonna sit here beside you? No. What do dragons eat? And she's like, oh, anything, anything they want. Anything and, they and then want. Sansa's looking at her like, bitch. bitch. <laughs> However, there's nothing here. No, <laughs> there's nothing no here. what I what? I get so it. there's I get this it. like talk of the fact that I do think that maybe Daenerys is going to die because the writers are really painting her in a bad light. What I do, and people are, like, oh, you know, Daenerys has this complex. She's got this superiority complex. Daenerys is a queen. That is all she's known. In my head, I'm like, this girl since. Since the after the first season when her dragons were born, all she has known in her whole childhood has been Jamie Lannister killed mm. my father. I am the rightful heir of you know the throne of Westeros. I have to do whatever it takes to ensure that I go back and take the throne. Now she's gone back and she is being a queen, and people don't want to bend the knee. The North, I understand what they want because you know. 
Sansa is out here. Loki, Sansa is my favorite character currently because her character growth has growth been has been exponential. Fantastic. Her and Phenomenal. Arya. Oh, fantastic. oh, I don't know. Arya, she kind of dulled to me after like season six. But I genuinely feel like she should die because she has nothing to mm, like. She's she's I a think, little assassin. I, I think she needs. I think she needs to like. She needs purpose. She, she has nothing. I think she needs to tie her. Her, her, what's the word? You know when you got the, your grievances in a bow. She needs to like literally just kill the people she wants to kill. That's all she's like. She wants to kill Cersei on. and a few other heifers. That's what she wants to. She even wants on. to kill the Hound, but now they're mates. So, so I mean, I'm just a bit like. I mean, she's not, not even mates. She's what like, is well, going you're on? Here, I'm here. We're yeah. all die anyway. It's all right. Don't worry. It's fine. Um, I also didn't like the fact that they made her have a sex scene because I genuinely feel like we'll get that, that is our little sister. Get that in even a though she's a psychopath. Get to that in a second. Okay. But the fact that. We finally found out that Jon Snow. I mean, um, so not finally. I'll, okay, so as people who've been reading the books, we've been you. Not finally, Jon Snow finally basically finds out. finds out within the series that he's Aegon that Targaryen. he is Aegon Targaryen, and um, he the rightful heir to the Iron Throne. The rightful heir to the, the Iron Throne, and um, that was a very interesting moment <laughs> between him and Samuel, and obviously Samuel really discovering that his father and brother are dead because they didn't bend the knee and it was just like it was a very it was a it, it was it was Danny it, was like oh shit I killed them too it was like oh 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 you're, you're t- 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 oh, oh never shit we ever heard that oh, name before oh. yes <laughs> I said Jokaris. No, no I said Jokaris. That's what happened. But Loki, so how am I going to do this or make me look really bad? Tell him. And that's why I really rate Danny because, and people, a lot of people don't because they feel like she's got this uppity complex. No, she is a queen. That's all she's known. <laughs> she had to tell Samuel that she killed his because they didn't bend the knee. And that's what every king before her has been doing. Yep. Baratheon, her, the mad king, yep. all of them, that's all they've been doing. Yep. So why should she be any different and she should she does rule differently in that you know she has mad white savior complex and she's been saving all the slaves slavers bay and mm. she comes in here and these people aren't slaves yeah. and so they're like why should we support you yeah. and she has to prove to themselves but she's in the north I do yeah. think that she should sit down and be Mind like business. be like you know what the north you guys have been through it you guys, you guys can be the Republic of Westeros. You guys can can have this little land. I will take Westeros. Yeah. And I did love the fact that episode two, Cersei was not in it yeah. because that bitch don't matter no more. We'll get, we'll get episode two in a second, but Euron, Greyjoy, is disgusting. However, he I'll, managed. He managed I, to, want, I want to put a baby in you. Cersei's like, bitch, I got one. But how do you know? She might not have had one. No, she's got one. How do you know she's that? Not oh, obviously, about that you would know as a, as a book reader. No, right? no. So the books end okay. at a certain point. So we are beyond the books now. Okay. These heifers are doing whatever the hell George Martin has told them or whatever the hell they okay. want. We don't know so what's happening. We don't know. So that means we don't, that means we don't this know. This is whether, definitely new content. That means we don't know whether Cersei was pregnant or not. Cersei, I do think she's pregnant. Okay. So Euron Greyjoy, the uncle of um, Theon and Yara. Yara, they he basically decided to go to um, King's Landing without the elephants <laughs> that Cersei wanted. And where are my elephants? I don't want them. Like, just bring the elephants. Yeah. I don't understand. So... She said she's got this arm. I have, I've, always, I've, always, I've always had this thing where I've always thought, like, you know, Cersei, I'm questioning your choice in men that enter you. I don't understand. I mean, or the that one... Let enter you. To be honest, because the I'm one, the, the man that she has let enter her, I mean, I mean, Robert Baratheon, but really... She, she didn't love. Yeah. 
Jamie, she did her love. brother. She did love. As brother, in, you don't understand. They loved each other. Her as brother. In it doesn't matter. Their love is Sometimes actually... Sometimes find... find some, okay, that's fine. But find, she loves him. He's your twin brother. Find a man that is just like... But someone you love and someone no, that's just not your family. She loved know. Robert Baratheon oh, in the actually, beginning. Actually, yeah, I did. I remember she in the loved first season, him. First season, she, he was I remember like, they know. were talking. Then she loved him. But yeah. Robert was in love with, you know, Lyanna Stark. And yeah. she, even though Lyanna Stark was in love with Rhaegar Targaryen, we didn't know this shit. This so is everybody's it. just moving mad. Yeah, this is it. So that's true. That's true. So she could never live up to what he wanted. He wanted. In a Wife, but then you know they, he entered the world. She entered the world. Thing is, yeah, <clears throat> like m- marrying and being with your brother is very normal, especially with now that like, you know Danny is with Jon Snow. Jon Snow is Danny's nephew. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And Danny, when Jon Snow found out uh, that he was like Aegon Targaryen, Danny was like, "So basically, what like your." You want to come from my throne? She didn't say, oh and shit, that's, that's, I've been sleeping with my, my nephew. And that's it. Why? Because the they've been, like the Targaryen family, the is, when you they've think of, been yeah. doing but the incest. Is, you that's also, normal. You also have to think about, you have to think, people are like, oh yeah, but that's your nephew. You never thought about that. But I'm just like, at the end of the day, they're the same age. It's what like, does that mean? like, okay, so it doesn't mean that just because they're the same age doesn't mean that they can't X, Y, and Z because of the relationship, whatever. But they are literally of, the same age from completely different histories and they're and so they don't know each other they are so far apart if he hadn't said anything about who he was and his actual identity they would just continue doing what but doing. they would continue they, they are going to continue exactly, exactly. So, in my so, eyes so, so it's like one of them things anyway so episode one it ends with Jamie arriving at Winterfell and then our petty eyed raven and our, and our petty eyed raven <laughs> Bran Stark has been there, waiting there for like two days so it's like what's up you what thought, it is you, you, what's up what's going on like you know what I mean like you actually really sat there and thought that I died but it's okay it's okay it's okay because I can see everything I know exactly who you are I know exactly what's going the on the things we do for love it opens up in episode 2 when he tries episode to when, when, when Jamie tries to walk over to him and be like oh sorry <laughs> and then Bran's oh, I, like I threw you off Bran's like oh did I did I throw you did, did I, I what the things we do for love no that scene. you dashed me off the side of the building I was 10 like do you know what I mean like, low key I'm, I'm actually quite what? happy like a lot uh, of people yeah. were talking about how you know Danny shouldn't have like gone wild for like you know she should have forgiven you know Jamie but all Danny has known is this guy that murdered her father but she's not but this is the thing this is what this is what was found out in episode even 2 even though her father was burning people this is what we found out was episode 2 right episode 2 no, she realized how far her world was apart from Westeros mm. because we see things have been happening. We see, we see several things. We see John shucking and jiving around the castle like he's not gonna find that she's not gonna find him and all this stuff. Trying to ghost, <laughs> and I'm like, John, you're in the castle. Like she's gonna find you at some point. Um, we see. Theon meeting Sansa again oh, for, like the, for like the third time in their history. I'm I'm so happy they met and I'm so happy that Loki something is going to happen there because Sansa has been messed up by men and she's really not about to give her power over to anybody with a penis. And because, you know, Theon Greyjoy don't have one, she's like, you know what? Yeah, you can be my man because Loki, the thing that gives you some some idea on your toxic masculinity ain't there. And what I loved about that scene when Theon came back and Danny was like, where's your sister? And she's like, well, you know, she's in this land and she's going to do this way. But I want to fight for House Stark. And I think that is one of the reasons that will make Danny 
give away her claim to Westeros, well, so yeah, sorry, to the North, to House Stark because she understands the power of them. Like she would, this is what I mean. So, this, so when you see the, the, the power shift, mm, you see the power it shift. It was beautiful. Like, there was a lot of power shifting in this episode. Remember like, when Danny episode. went to talk to Sansa, like, hello, you know, I'll come to you as, as a... But yeah. look, she was right. No, she no, was no, like, no, I've... No, I get it. I get I, it. I'm, I'm the one that's being manipulated think, because your brother wants me to fight this other war. Do you think that it was a very feminist episode? <sighs> Um, I, 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 I do, was. but also, do you know why I think it was Loki a feminist episode? Because um, Brienne of Tarth got nice. Okay, before we get to that, though, yeah, because <laughs> that, that, that was really emotional. But, I cried my eyes yeah, out. Yeah, but when when Dine- when Danny and Sansa were talking, it's like you need your brother. I, I love him. And you know what's annoying is because you can see this in any family. Yeah. You see what I mean? Yeah. It's like. She's like, you know what? It's cool. Like, I love your brother. Mm-hmm. And like, my brother loves you. This mm-hmm. is what I'm saying. Like, you know, we, we've come so far. This is exactly where we should be. But however, after the war, however, what's up? what's going on? Winterfell, you know, the North, she's basically saying that like, the North needs to be its, its own it's thing. It's insane. Because we've said we're not going to bend the knee to no other we're heifer. We're not going to bend the knee. Yeah. And, I think, and she's just basically like, you know, the people with and then Winterfell in the North are like, no, we're not, we're not doing that. No. And Danny's like, mm, but she has to figure out her own power struggle. Yeah. But she, but she realized that. She did. When, I think when, she when did. Theon came. When Theon came and she so looked she, at Sansa and she was like, whoa. Sansa, Sansa was. Her people cr- love her. Sansa was cry- like crying when she met Theon yeah. again. And Theon's been through hella character growth because he had to. And, and Sansa's been hella character growth, but it seems like everybody forgets that. No, I don't think anybody forgets that. You can see I that think Sansa's everybody forgets through. that because everyone's like, oh, Sansa is that. I'm like, yo, are you mad? Sansa, Sansa. Sansa been you exactly what's up since her father died. Sansa, season one, episode nine, but she's been in the power Sansa, of different people. Sansa, she had yeah. to be smart. Yeah, Sansa has to learn. Sansa's been, Sansa's been everything. She was, she's been, she's she been was really rape. Re- been reared through, up by Cersei. She's been through rape. She's been through loss of family members. She didn't everybody. even see Arya till season seven. Yeah. She's like, you know what I mean? Like she's been through their things. And and, and I love the fact that, for example, just before Danny came in to talk to her in that episode, she was talking to one of the maesters and being like, all right, open this gate for these people to come in. Sansa, excuse me, is running Winterfell. Everybody's just moving mad, finding some dumb throne, talking about, oh, let's get drunk before the war with these white walkers. And this bitch is like, all right, open this belt, get this heating from this part she is running Winterfell she literally is the lady of oh, Winterfell. Winterfell yeah she's running this thing and everybody else forgets that and that's what I mean and, she's and been, I she's love been it too much for that for taking away from her so she cannot she took we've been through so much for her to arrive back at Winterfell oh it with, was phenomenal with the level of power because the thing is phenomenal. even the whole thing of going back and then John being the king of the north and then leaving and then coming mm-hmm. back with Daenerys no and she like, had to rule that listen at the end of the day Sansa Sansa can't she's not gonna die she better not but no, do you know what I love about George R.R. Martin is the fact that all the underdogs that we hated are now the characters that have strength yes, we go. and yeah, that we go. have power and well, let's talk about season two episode two the knighting of Br- Sir of Brienne the Beauty oh, yeah. let's talk about Brienne the Beauty Brienne has someone who said Gorgeous Brienne woman. has all the honeys right now all the honeys are fighting over her people on her neck yeah, yeah. Jamie Lannister is, for me, I've wanted that relationship since, since season, I think it was season two. No, I never it was season three. I no, season two, sorry, before Thingy died. I I've, I've always, never since when, it. you know, when, um, what's her name? Um, oh, Lady of Winterfell. 
Kathleen Star, whatever, slash Kathleen Tully, told, got, you know, Brianna and said, take this man back to Westeros and exchange them f- for my daughters. Since that whole ride when he went back and told her about how, oh, this is how I killed the Mad King and this is how I felt about it. They were in that bath. He went back to save her from that bear yeah, fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was that. like, they, and they had, they have this tension and that tension was really played out in the last episode, in, in you know, episode two. I've, for me, I've always wanted that. Yeah. And I think now that, that Loki, they're doing it slash, we have a little bit of a triangle with my guy, Tormund. <laughs> Where's the big woman? Drinking Loki, milk. Loki, my my so Twitter name eight, right now. Fruit, the big woman. Loki, my my aunt now is the big woman. <laughs> yeah, this is what I mean. Like I, I liked it. I think Beautiful. The thing is, I liked it. I love the fact that that Jamie. That I love the fact that Jamie knighted her and gave her that hope. Yeah. Because it's lost like. Did you see her smile? Oh, she's dying as fuck. <laughs> she's like, she's like, you know what? At the end of the day, right? She was smiling. Never, her life's you know dream. What? Her story has closed. Oh, it's done. So she's dead. The loop is dead. She's dead. It's, it's done. Guys. Do you remember you, in, that, you may, you in the think, first time we met her? Yeah. She was fighting. She Renly was on, you know, Renly was like, oh, I'm the king, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to be the king. And Renly was with Marjorie and she was like fighting in like a tournament or whatever. Yeah. And he mis- or somebody mistakenly thought that she was a knight. She's like, I'm not a knight, but you know, I would like to be or whatever. Something along those lines. The fact that she was knighted and she did that big, big grin. Guys, gonna go. you're going to see this on Monday, yeah? You Monday, you've already seen the episode. By the time you've seen this, you've seen it. If episode, she's but, not yeah. dead, yeah, come find me. We'll talk about it. See what I'm saying? Because at the end she's of the dying. Day, her story is done. At the end of the day, her whole loop has ended. You have to remember that... That's all she's wanted. On a storyteller's kind of tip, mm-hmm. her, her, her loop has ended. There's nothing else that she can do apart from get married and have kids and live in a life in, yeah. in the country. Sleep with Jamie. I, uh, and Cersei's going to be a little or, bit mad because remember when Cersei an, met her and she's an, like... Or lead an army of to the army of the dead and die. You see what I'm saying? Like, there's nothing else that really can happen. Ooh, I'm on, actually going to cry my eyes on out, On a story man. level. Shit. And I think that, that was a really interesting... Yeah. Um, episode yeah. just because you know you got with the whole Daenerys and Sansa Daenerys and John, you know the whole and, um, trying know, to trying to tell Sam to go to the, the crypt and it's like Sam's looking at you like hold on one second one cotton picking minute <laughs> one cotton picking minute what at, at the end of the day you're trying to tell me the guy who has killed these white walkers killed these white walkers realized that it was the dragon blast that did it etc realize and, and, and justify the fact that you are Aegon Targaryen you're, you're Aegon Targaryen you're trying to tell me to go to the crypt Loki everybody in the crypt is dying because how many times did they mention the crypt in episode episode 2 the Night King is taking one white to the to the damn crypt killing everybody and they're gonna kill themselves from inside out guys you're going to the crypt the army of the dead is coming what happens in a, what happens in a crypt stays in the crypt what's, 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 what's in a crypt right oh the crypt dead people army of the what is coming the dead you're going to the um, you're going to the crypt with the who? dead people the dead people with people that are alive so what's gonna happen there logic will tell you <laughs> that you have to be away from the crypt because to, because they're dead and you are going to be dead thank you very much with the army of the uh, dead <laughs> so I'm thinking to myself, all right, I don't know what to expect at the end of the day. And I'm really feeling, I'm not, like I so said, these first two episodes were an hour. This, this third episode is the first of the 80 minute episodes. Yeah, apparently. So the, the person that actually directed uh, the Battle of the Bastards, he's directing the Battle of Winterfell. Yeah. The Battle of Winterfell. Um, I do think that, you know, obviously you're listening to this and it's already happened. 
Um, if you're as keen as we are. If you are as keen as we are. I even got Now TV, you know, low key. I, I was so close. I got Now TV. I found the SkyGo password. <laughs> I got now TV. I had my debit card out. Ready. I got now TV. I actually should probably utilize it more, but I might haven't yet. But yeah, guys. So um, if you're watching this, if sorry, if you're listening to this, RIP to all our man that have died. Personally, I think that Brienne of Tarth is dying, even though I really, really, really don't want her to, because I really want her to live happily ever after with Jamie Lannister mm-hmm. and for oh, Cersei to just die. No, I don't think she's live happily ever after um, I also think that Arya Stark is going to die because I don't know, she's had sex, she's literally finished her arc. No, no, she hasn't finished a, her arc. She needs to kill certain people. She's doing what? Cersei? She might, I feel like she might kill Cersei and then... <sighs> I don't know, because Cersei ain't even there. The whole episode, she wasn't there. She wasn't even going to the premiere. Do you know what the theory is? What? That the that the Night King sent his army to Winterfell <laughs> and flew to King's Landing to kill Cersei by herself. Banter. That's the reason she wasn't. No, not the reason she wasn't there. But they're, they're saying like, you know what? When we in some of the scene shots, yeah. they didn't see the Night King because usually you always see the Night King like mm-hmm. he's there and he's distinctive. Yeah, they're saying that he arrived at Winter like the, the army arrived at Winterfell some of the White Walkers the, yeah. the generals arrived at Winterfell but the Night King himself has driven is it Viserion is it Viserion yeah, the Viserion, dragon which yeah. that dragon, yeah, the dragon. yeah and he's driven Viserion oh down absolutely to absolutely beautiful the fact, that he can, sorry, the fact that he can even ride Viserion is the question of whether he's a Targaryen or not no he's not because I personally think that the Night King is Bran the Builder who built the wall um, mm. and so I thought it was so beautiful when John um, rode um, basically Rhaegar yeah. because that's namesake of his father. And- um, Rhaegon, the dragon. Rhaegon, yeah. The namesake of his father, Rhaegar. Yeah. And essentially back in the day when the, when the Targaryens were ruling, there were like sister wives, you know, Aegon, all of these other people, they were just riding dragons. There was he was married to two of his sisters, or I think one, and the other one was like, you know, the one that he was like slightly fucking on the side, Loki. Mm. Um, and it was beautiful, and it was just like, and I'm telling you, <laughs> this literally. So I've got a book called Fire and Blood, which George R. R. Martin wrote before the Winter Winter, yeah. and it's basically um, a book told by a maester about the Targaryen lineage, and I'm telling you guys. Game of Thrones is all about the Targaryens because Loki, this whole series is all about Jon Snow. He's a Targaryen. This whole thing started because the Targaryens were overthrown by the Baratheons because you know Robert thought that Lyanna was with Rhaegar and she was stolen. She wasn't stolen. Lyanna was in love with Rhaegar, gave birth to John. He's the rightful heir of the Iron Throne. Everyone's just moving mad. Mm. White Walkers are like, well, I'm going, we're going to kill all He's of you. He's literally the child that 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 the whole this whole thing has started. It's about. And that's a pressure that is now on John. Exactly. You know, John's like, yo, I have all these qualifications, but I don't want it. No. <laughs> he was literally like, wait, what? He can't, the thing is, he, the thing is, he's, he's You only, mean to tell me that I don't want to be the, the commander a, of the Night's Watch? I don't want that. Bye. Oh, wait. So now you're telling me that I'm the king? He's going to be the, he's going to have, he's got so much behind him. He can't be the, he can't be the Lord of Winterfell because Sansa's already been like, hold on one second. <laughs> I am the lady of Winterfell. Yeah. You can't be out here. So that's no. The, 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 the heir to the Iron Throne. He is the heir to the Iron Throne. Daenerys is really like, oh, but she knows. Daenerys will, I feel so sorry for Danny because her whole life she thought that she was it. 
But then now she's found out that it's John. That's why I'm like, they actually do need to marry and restore the Targaryen dynasty. The fact that she didn't think, oh my God, it's my nephew. Or the, yeah, because this is what been fucking. No, 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 no. She didn't think. Her first thought wasn't, oh. It's my nephew. I no, 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 no. The first thought wasn't, oh, we are Targaryens. It's. We can rule. Yeah. It was. You have rightful heir claim to the throne. Yeah. It's why like, shut it? out. No, but why wouldn't it be? She's been the one that's been told this. Wouldn't you want that though? No, that's true. You've that's been true. told no, I get it. you I get are it. the rightful heir because your brother had been dead because he was an asshole. You are the rightful heir. You have been the biggest white savior ever. Personally, outside of all of this, yeah, these people are mad because they really think they can take on the White Walkers. When it's Danny true. has been making Astapor, Marine, Karth, Yunkai suitable for people to live, why are you not taking taking a nice ferry over to these lands so that you can live in peace, but you want to take the Iron Throne? <laughs> the Night King won't let you. <laughs> are you dumb? <laughs> Anyways, basically, we just need... <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen this episode, but I'm excited. I'm actually going to wait up until 2 a.m. to watch this because I feel like it's worth it. Yeah, definitely. I'm not working on, on, on Now TV. Thank you so much. You should probably sponsor us because, Loki, I don't want to pay from like a few weeks onwards because now apparently it's saying. free for the month. They actually have the, um, there's actually a package on Now TV, which is, means you can lose it until Game of Thrones is over. Shut up, really? It's like a three month package. Oh it's like, 20, like 25 quid, that's 27 quid. Oh, I think I should get it. I, and I was, my debit card was out. I'm telling you, my debit <laughs> card was out until the SkyGo password came through. And I was like, listen, Wait, what's right. the SkyGo password? Basically, SkyGo is uh, Sky, obviously. Yeah. And it's like they're, they're on demand thing. So what, somebody just gave you a To my cousin. My cousin. Wow. I was like, oh my Where God. Where are my cousins? My cousins are trash. Yeah, I'll find the friends that have wow. them. And they're like, oh my God. Oh, I think four people have already had mine. I'm like, you better find the <laughs> password. Because <laughs> I was moving crazy. I actually night. don't even watch it in the morning because I'm low-key a grandma. Um, I, I night, yeah. no, like I slept through my midnight showing of Avengers. Mm. Like, yeah. <laughs> I set an alarm at 11. I woke up at like midnight. Um, so I actually watch it first thing Monday morning. Like I wake up at like six or seven. I watch it before work. Oh God. I'm just 2 a.m. Mm, probably not. You've got to do what works for you, fam. Yeah, just don't. Also, guys, you people that go online. Oh, you know, stop posting spoilers. Have some self-fucking control. Don't go online. <laughs> What's wrong with you? Don't go online. Just don't go online. Sometimes it's just Nobody like, forces you. I've been, I've been okay with like avoiding spoilers on Twitter and stuff. And um, I think it's stupid. Yeah, I don't see... The online platform isn't real life. I mean, it is, but it's not. What's yeah, wrong yeah, with you? Just, just don't just, go online. Just chill out. Like, it's fine. At least give it... A, a don't you have friends is, offline you, that you can you, talk to? If you give it until... If you give it until at least Wednesday for a lot of people, then that's fine because... Some, no, no one's talking about it. No one's going to... Me, gonna, I'm, I'm talking about no, it no, first no, thing no, Monday morning. I'm talking about it, yeah, as well. But the thing is, I'm like, don't... Don't spoil it on Monday afternoon yeah do you see what i mean i don't spoil i commentate so i'll be like john and people will be like what's up I'll be like don't worry i just said john yeah or i'll be like oh my god this bitch daenerys she's mm. so annoying i won't be like oh and daenerys died on this episode after 40 saying? minutes that's what i'm know? saying like yeah I probably i would probably personally i just wouldn't do that myself but at the same time i'm like you know what at the end of the day I'm not going to speak openly about the episode until I haven't a, spoken a about Endgame, guys. That's big for me. Yeah. That's big for me. You know, I, all I've said the was, is, I, I cried. And I, I don't even see it. Do you know what I mean? I'm like, okay. I cried my eyes out. But anyway, Endgame, guys, man. 
that is the end of my silly. So each week we're gonna we're gonna recap because obviously we had the two episodes to recap. We also had the spring reads this week, so obviously it's a longer episode. It's a very long However, I like it. It's not like it, but at the same time, general weeks we will be re-educating Miss Ray for a week, <laughs> and we will be having a hot topic about. Uh, particular industries and stuff and we will be talking about books as per usual we will be talking about Game of Thrones because through, we are all we, we both love we are Throners and <laughs> there we go like so culture questions I know you guys haven't sent any but do please continue to send please 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 yeah do continue to send those because we love the interaction and yeah. this is you know your time to I'm shine just let us know anything with regards to this episode we've got the you know should yeah, how should writers be funded? How should creators be funded? Do you agree with writers being paid to just sit and write? To sit and write. And do you agree with what happened with Game of Thrones? Do you agree <laughs> with what we're talking about with regards to the uh, spring reads, etc.? So just let us know. What um, are your spring reads? What are your spring reads, yeah. etc.? And we will read them out on the Absolutely. show. Um, specify whether you want them to be anonymous or not but we'll probably make them anonymous anyway um so thank you so much for listening to this week um do remember to rate review and subscribe on itunes um do we have any announcements um uh, we don't have any announcements uh what matters of alex reads might be coming back soon why am i not on it very mm, i must be a guest i speak to you every week so? i don't understand, I understand why you would be on it like i want to talk about wellness uh, i go to therapy bitch I got to therapy more than you. <laughs> okay, so that's a that's a fiscal issue that we, need to, that we need to figure out right now. But I had a whole solid six months of how many of how many sessions. And and, and guess who did not get invited to what the the therapy? We could have oh we could have couples therapy, but not couples. Just why would you get invited to my therapy session? Podcast therapy. So what matters when it's reads? It host will be therapy. Back. Oh my god, I should host. I'm that. finished. Um, <laughs> um, so yeah so what matters of Alex Reeves might be coming back in the next week or so um, so just keep an eye out for that um, go and buy otherwise go and buy it's not about the burger and safe that mm. we're both involved in yep and um, that's pretty mu- that's pretty much it so just subscribe rate review and rate review do, comment comment and do what we've got to do email us continue we love you. Being amazing. So thank you guys. And we'll catch you guys next week where we... Make sure um, you watch Game of Thrones because we will spoil it. Yeah, we will spoil it next Monday. So <laughs> um, you've been told now. And make sure you watch Avengers Endgame because we will spoil that in depth after Alex has watched it. I'm screaming because I just don't care about it. But okay, so we will see you Maybe guys. <laughs> we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye.